Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of BoardWars.eu, your somewhat bi-weekly podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault, a miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. In this episode we are going to talk about what actually on the boat means, because <laughs> on Return to Health is on the boat and not only will we talk about that, but from minute 6 on we will talk extensively about The Killing Code, the first spoiler article about Return to Health. And since this is a quite extensive spoiler article, we talk about it almost two hours. So at one hour and 45 minutes, we will dip briefly into play experiences, mostly of Yep and Antonia. And at two hours and 20 minutes, we have some rules clarifications for a few minutes. And if you're here for the contest, just skip ahead at two hours and about 25 minutes, where we declare that this winners, uh, this, this episode's winner, and of course, the contest for the next few episodes, actually. So, have fun with the episode! Okay, welcome to episode 17 of BoardWars.eu and this week uh, we did a little bit of a pause week last week because I was really busy real in real life and for this week uh, I'm joined by uh, Antonia. Hi. Henrik. Hi. And Jeppe. Hello. Uh, it, it seems that Henrik uh, isn't available right now and he might join later but we will see if how this goes. And Martin and I think Raphael, I don't know if they will join later, we will see, but I think they will sit this one out. Anyways, let's start right into the meat of the episode, which is the first item we have is a bit, little bit of cleanup. And we, because we had on the FG boards a little bit of constructive criticism about the show, which is that when we talk about cards, uh, we will try to do a standard format now, which <coughs> I'm sorry, which uh, will uh, standardize how we how we list all the attributes and so, and uh, also we will try to give each card the time it needs, which will also cut into the time we talk about uh, non-imperial salt stuff on the show. So uh, be prepared in the future to hear less about random Star Wars stuff and more about the game itself, and especially more about the cards that are spoiled and that are released with the new packs or whatever. So this was on the FFG boards. If you are curious about the the uh, the, uh, the forum topic where this was discussed, discussed, I will link it in the show notes. I haven't linked it in the in our prepared show notes right now, but I will do it after the show. So uh, and uh, this brings us right into the next uh, point, which is the card discussion for this week, because uh, this will basically merge with the news discussion. Uh, because we had no new releases since last time, at least I don't think so, because we will talk about this, what happened to Wave 4. And what we did have is three new spoiler articles about uh, Return to Hearth and the associated Wave 5, or like we redub it now, Wave 4. Uh, what happened is that uh, FFG pushed back the two packs from Wave 5 to after the release of Return to Hoth and the Associate Wave, so basically Wave 4 and Wave 5 switched places in favor of Return to Hoth being released maybe even before Christmas. 
Uh, from what I know, its uh, its status on the FFG page was recently changed to shipping, or not shipping, sorry, on the boat, of course. So it's yeah, not on it's not on the printer; it's, it's on the board. <laughs> it's also a ship, but not the not the ship we are really waiting for. So, uh, but it's it's on the way right now, and I think it should be here uh, in about. From now on, let's say three weeks for the US and four to five weeks in Europe. We will see how this pans out. It might. They um. Yeah. They they did an interview at Worlds uh, with the uh, British broad podcasters, board games in general. Shut up and sit down. Yeah. Uh, did an interview with one of the spokespersons of Fancy Flight and uh, the the representative for Fancy Flight. She was saying uh, a bit about this whole thing with being on the boat and how they got a lot of of sort of questions about the boat and what you could do to upgrade the boat. And she said that in these days, often they actually don't even know where the things are. So they don't know themselves precisely um, where something is when it's on the boat. Yeah, from what I heard, it, that the problem is that this, all, this, all of this stuff has to fit into containers, right? And you basically, you prepare your, your, your goods and you send them to the harbor and the harbor actually takes care of placing them in containers so you pay the lowest fare possible so you your stuff might get crammed into a container with other stuff and this might uh, either speed up on the way because it gets on a, on, a, on a boat that is leaving earlier or it might slow it down because the stuff gets on a boat that, boat that is leaving later so maybe that's what's going on so uh, but it, it's might it might be true that they don't actually know which exact boat it is so they will try to open the containers into the harbor in the US and, and it then should attach a GPS. open it what? They should attach a GPS for live tracking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think we are there yet, so. <laughs> With uh, RFID chips. Yeah, yeah. She did actually mention at one point that uh, pirates actually had played a part in some of their stuff being delayed. Not like scum and villainy pirates, but somewhere in the outer rim between China and, uh, and the States. <laughs> Pacific Pirate League. <laughs> Okay, that that might also be also be a fun story to tell. Okay, so what um, the the news articles we had in the last three weeks, because that's how long of a pause we had, uh, are all concerning uh, Return to Hoth and one of the yellow packs for Return to Hoth, which is the only ally pack in Wave Four now, I think. And the first article we had was called "The Killing Cold," and it's. Basically concerns the Empire and uh, the Scum and Villainy faction, on uh, which is included in the Return to Hoth Return to Hoth box. Sorry, I'm drinking my iced tea and I'm burping all the time right now. So, um, Return to Hoth, for those who don't know, is the first big box expansion. It's placed on Hoth, and uh, you get a ton of new units, cards, missions, and all of the good stuff. And I think it's priced for. $60 MSRP, so it should be around $50 actual real-world real world money. And, <laughs> of course, the same should be applicable to, applicable to Euros. So, if you want to get this, it has... I think it, it, there are three new Rebel Heroes, there are at least two or three new um, Imperial... Um, now, four new Imperial uh, units to play around with, and we will talk about, I think, all of them today. Yeah, let's see. 
And the yeah, first article, like I said, sure. is... Uh, I think we had an episode where we saw some spoilers for like the snow troopers and the wampas already. I think we did, but right now they are... Uh, they not only spoiled the one of the cards, but all of them, the the, the elite and the non-elite for versions for. Okay. I think both, both of them, right? Yeah. yeah. We we had we had the the non-elite Wampa and the non-elite Snowtrooper spoiled, from what I can remember. But I think now we have everything. So, so the article starts uh, saying that it's of course set on half, and um, after the first Death Death Star's destruction. The Empire still uh, does relentless uh, attacks on the Resistance and so on and so forth. And it goes on to say that the first new unit uh, is a Snow Trooper, which is fitting for the environment there. And we talked about the non-elite version, but it was still, um, I will still reiterate what this actually means on the card. So the card is called Snow Trooper. It's of course from the Imperial Faction. It costs seven deployment points and two point two points to reinforce, which is one less than a regular stormtrooper. It has the trait trooper. It has three search abilities, which is search for weaken, search for PS1, search for plus two accuracy, and it has the special ability environmental recovery gear, which reads you and each adjacent friendly trooper may either recover one damage or discard one harmful condition. It has 4 health, 4 speed, a black defense die, a blue and a green attack die. And the elite version changes this up to, um, it's still a snow trooper, still with the trade trooper, but it now costs 10 deployment points, 3 uh, reinforce, three points to reinforce, search for PS2, search for plus 3 accuracy, search for focus and weaken now, and it adds the... Um, the efficient travel ability. It also has the environmental recovery gear, but it additionally gets the efficient travel ability. You ignore additional movement points costs for difficult terrain and hostile figures. It has six health now, four speed, a black defense die, and a blue and a green attack die. So, any thoughts on this from you? The first interesting thing is that it has no habitat trait. I think it's funny because the Tusken Raiders, for example, are in the desert. Yes. Yeah, but they are not. human, so they can go to other places, <laughs> not like. Uh, this places. is also, I, I think, the, maybe this is what this was deliberate, but um, giving them the habitat trait might restrict it too much in skirmish, because of course we will get snow tiles in the in the skirmish rotation in, but until they are really there, the snow troopers won't be that much useful in any lists because. You only could play them if you you are sure that isn't all it, of the maps are actually on snow. Isn't it only in isn't it only in the campaign that no, no, the environment? It also concerns the skirmish, right? I'm I, I'm not sure right now. Isn't it also valid for skirmish? I don't think so, but I will just look then it up. Then I then I really don't know because if it's only for the campaign then I Habitat is a keyword found on certain deployment yes. cards during a campaign. Oh, Oh, then... Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then it's Note, during skirmish, habitat has no effect. That's news to me, but that's actually very good news, because then I don't know why it doesn't have habitat snow or something, or habitat ice or whatever it's called. Yeah. Because it would be very fitting for the campaign. So, you first of all get uh, additional health for one additional deployment point, right? Um, um, yeah. Comp compared to the regular... Stormtrooper, 
And you get the Weaken and the Pierce instead of the plus one damage. And of course the special ability is different. I think I like them more than the normal Stormtrooper because the environmental recovery gear can be quite powerful if you have enough troopers on the board. Maybe. I th yeah, I'm... It, the, the environmental recovery gear, I think it will be very good in the in the skirmish because you can try to heal up your units. And this is... Recovering health isn't that common in skirmish right now. And also in the campaign for the Imperial side, it doesn't actually uh, appear that often. So when it's there, it's it used most of the time it has a heavy impact. So I think this is very a very it will be a very utilized ability for me at least. Yes, and also the efficient travel sounds good. Where you're ignoring additional yeah. movement point costs for skirmish, of course. Um, for example, the cantina. Yeah, I think it will. I think it will actually be more more of an, a game changer in the campaign because in the campaign you have more. Um, more movement when when the rebels and the, the imperial figures are actually right beside themselves. Because usually you have the situation where the rebels want to go somewhere, and you want to move with them, but also block them. And this can help you do this. While in the skirmish, when you are already engaged with an enemy, usually you are fighting over static object objectives, and then you don't need to actually cross their lines to get somewhere. But this might change with different skirmish missions. So I think the efficient travel will be better in in the campaign for right now at least than in skirmish. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the PS2 is the strongest part of the snow troopers. Because not the, not the focus? No, I'm not sure. I would say PS2. Um, for the focus you get additional rolls with the green die so you get more surges which is clear but I think um, because Aww. you have three, three models which can pierce away uh, your defense it's, yeah, more, that's it's also stronger true, yeah. than, a, than a hero which has only uh, one attack or an ally which is pierce 2 and in this time you have three yeah that's true pierce, pierce 2 is, is quite powerful but I with the blue and the green, you don't roll that high damage anyway. Because at least for me in the campaign and in skirmish, the, the okay, troopers. Okay, another case for me. Because yeah, and they I know. Rock. Yeah, that's true. Also, the PS2. I think it's mostly against. Um, it's it's better against black dice, of course. So I'm I'm a bit torn on Pierce 2. It looks powerful, but I don't think it it is that powerful. I think the focus is actually better to take most of the time if you can't of, of course that's also assuming you can keep them alive so yeah or you can take both yeah the other the other thing i noticed is uh i i'm assuming that we will get if it's similar to the core box we will get uh two regular deployment cards for this and one elite deployment card is this has this uh been um substantiated somewhere does anyone know because then you again have the 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 strange occurrence that you need to buy two half packs to be able to field a a, a full squad of snow troopers uh you can uh, because you can field four regular and or uh two elite of the same of the same type in a what's it called in a skirmish squad so if you get two regular and one elite in the half box, you need two of the half boxes to make a full complement in a skirmish group. 
Yeah, I don't think that the number of figures or the number of cards was leaked yet. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, there was always only one model or so in the pictures. Yeah, I I think it won't be a, a the the issue won't be as big as with the four it, by four list. Um, it says here for the figures there are sixteen. Okay. There are the three heroes. There are six snowtroopers, okay. two wumpers, four of the HK assassins, and one of the repulsor. Okay, maybe we get just. One of each card. That's that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, yeah, it's less than in the core set. Yes. Maybe they will. Maybe they will do some 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 unit count restrictions further than what they did with the four, four regular and four uh, and, and two elite deployment cards because it people will will be re react a bit uh, unpleasant. Uh, to this, that you, they, they have to buy multiple of these big boxes. I don't, yeah. They don't have to, be, to to buy them, of course, but the incentive is very much there because it's a new it's a new uh, unit and it seems quite powerful, especially the, the elite version for the um, uh, for the skirmish. And it, I can't, I don't know, it 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 pains me a little bit to see this, so. But so, but see. you cannot prox, right? And you like cannot. No, no, there is no proxying in in official mm. tournaments. So, f to actually okay. field these in their full strength, which would be four regular and two, uh, two elites, you need to buy four half boxes, assuming one of each is in the box. So, this is, yeah. of course, this would be like, like almost two hundred dollars, so or euros, which no one, no one will do this. They will probably buy singles from from someone who's selling them as singles but this is i don't i i don't like this very much they have to do something around with the rules to 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 bring this a little bit a little bit more in line i think i, have a I hope that in time i hope that in time that they will introduce expansion packs of those things we've talked about it in the past yeah. but also for the base game and for that matter for the for the twin shadows that we eventually will see expansions packs yeah. for those groups I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but if like they if the they bring it out, expansion pack two, which yeah, I didn't get because I uh, didn't think about uh, the cards which are inside it, just the models. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was getting my skirmish deck together with all the cards which were on this builder, and then I clicked and clicked and clicked, and then I wanted to get the skirmish deck in real together, and I didn't find the cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't have all the expansions, so it's clear. <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed with Henry. Yeah. To be honest, half of the problem doing that is not just whether you own the cards, but whether you can find them. That's awesome. Because there are so many of them. And I just wanted to just toss in a note that I heard that um, within the next couple of weeks, some of those companies that make uh, uh, folders, um, I have one for X-Wing, for instance, and uh, the Ultra Pro binder stuff that I think originally were made for for card games, living card games and magic and so on. Yeah. Supposedly in December they'll be coming out with a format that fits the small cards that, that fit the command cards, but also a number of other fancy flight same size cards so that you can have them in a folder. Yeah, I, I saw that there is a, already one of the um, one of the distributors has something like this, I think. Uh, there was a post on Board Game Geeks, uh, from what I remember, where someone asked if, this there, if there are some some binder uh, inserts where you can fit the small cards and they 
someone showed a picture of them and it's it's four by four uh other than the usual three by three for the normal sized cards so that's there should be something out there but i don't know if how how available they are because i didn't try to find them i've also heard that things that fit um uh, what you call business cards and so on, mm -hmm. but I'm just I'm just happy to see it coming out yeah. in one of those ultra pro yeah. formats because I like that kind of. Uh, I'm yeah, me thing. too. I'm waiting for it too. But I've also seen people do kickstarters where people basically manually buy the normal ones and then they use something to burn it close so that you <laughs> get the smaller size for these cards. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so organizing all this stuff, it's getting increasingly difficult but so far i'm still managing so it's not that it's not un unmanageable i think i think it's just you have to to set aside like a few minutes to organize yourself before you go to an event or something like this so it should be okay at least for me it wasn't that much of a problem until now okay so the next card we had i Oh, I'd like to yeah, sort course. of bid in on the snow troop as well, and just yeah. I think my overall observation on them is that um, they have a little bit less punching power than the normal troopers because you don't get the reroll and you don't have the plus damage which you could use in situations where there are uh, no blocks. Yeah, I mean, Pierce, Pierce, if you're sh if you're attacking someone with a white defense or that rolls low block, your Pierce is really not as useful. But what I was thinking to how you can apply them strategically, there's actually no reason for your ordinary st stormtroopers to stay next to other ordinary stormtroopers because their reroll ability, they can they can uh, they can bounce off a snowtrooper because it's got the trooper keyword. And I could see a like playing a kind of staggered formation both as the Empire in a campaign, but mainly mainly in skirmish where you have one group of snowtroopers and one group of ordinary stormtroopers, either elite or or, or uh, the regulars, and you can sort of mix the, the formation. Because then you have your snowtroopers who can help keep your uh, bit more squeamish normal stormtroopers alive, and the ordinary stormtroopers can get the rerolls off a, a snowtrooper. That's exactly true, yeah. And uh, also... One thing that also factors into this is that the snowtroopers they have more accuracy uh, via surges because the the regular stormtroopers they have plus one uh, accuracy for a surge and the snowtroopers now have plus two accuracy for a surge or plus three in the elite version. So they they can stay a little bit more in the background but still make your your other guys who uh, your other stormtroopers who are maybe standing in the front row be able to use the, the, the trooper trait from them to reroll the dice. So I think this might actually work it's, out good. I think the accuracy is the same on the... Yeah, the, the normal Stormtrooper, yeah. the normal one yeah. has plus two. Is it yeah. plus two, not plus one? Yes. Okay, yeah. then then it's actually the same. So, But I gotta say, in my uh, first campaign where I played Empire, I played with the Military Might uh, class deck for the Empire. And there's the one with the Medic where you can heal... Uh, people around a trooper and it was such a nuisance to the rebel players and i think this uh, environmental recovery gear as you guys also mentioned I, I think it's really useful it's it doesn't look like much and you do lose a bit of offensive power but i think it can really give you some staying power yeah like i said i think this is the actually the main draw for the cards during the skirmish that you 
they are more they're more hardy and uh, they are not not only more hardy but also they regenerate so it it might be very good in skirmish where this is where this is hard to come by but we will see how this actually impacts skirmish so the next card which will be the uh, sc2m repulsor tank so since we since i'm still writing up the, the format i will do the the repulsor tank uh, myself and then we'll jump over to one of the other hosts so the it's only it's only linked in the text so you have to actually click on the link to to open up a new page with the uh with the card on it and uh it is the sc2 Dash M repulsor tank. It's of course is from the Imperial faction. It costs ten deployment points, has the trait vehicle, and four surge abilities. Where the surge abilities are the, the abilities right under the um, unit portrait. So they are not only the surge abilities but also the innate abilities, which in this case are of course it's massive. It has plus two accuracy, innate, and it has surge for plus two damage and search for blast one and it has the other abilities are a double action which is then called focus fire perform two attacks targeting targeting the same figure and it has defensible while defending you may apply either plus one block or plus one evade to your defense results it has 10 health four speed a black defense die and a blue uh, red and yellow attack die so the first thing that sticks out to me is that it's basically the what's it called the the e-web on rails. Is this right? Yes. Because it it has very similar uh, abilities, uh, including the focus fire one, which is similar to assault but not quite the same. But um, I think the repulsor tank is actually more viable because it it has more of a punch and can take hits. So, what are your thoughts on the repulsor tank? Well, it's better than the eweb because uh, the eweb has the tripod ability, and this, uh, yeah, um, forbids him to attack when he moved in the same turn. Yeah. So, it's more flexible, and um, also the speed is way uh, is double. Um, the eweb has yeah. only speed two, and it's the first vehicle. Am I correct? No, no, the ATST was also a vehicle. Oh, the ATST. From was what also, I yes. remember, yeah. Yeah, but it's way more flexible, I would say, because um, it's the e-web on steroids. It seems to be. Yeah, and you're allowed me. to move and shoot. You have don't have that limitation, so you can you yeah. can either shoot twice, which you will most likely will uh, shoot one figure anyway to kill it, or you can move away and shoot, so you're safe from being. Uh, losing your tank so it's uh, it's quite okay with the accuracy and three dice you will roll enough accuracy to shoot a large dis distance and you have the blue the blue dice the blue die anyway so you you're basically working with four accuracy from the get-go and <coughs> with the yellow and the blue die you might might always assume at least five uh, five accuracy so it can shoot quite far and Possibly even farther if you needed to. So this might be an, a very good sniping machine for the campaign. For the campaign, even if you just shoot into some building, because of course, since it's a since it's massive, it can't en enter buildings in the campaign. Um, I um, I 
I, I really like that we've got another thing with the vehicle uh, tag. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I tend to overthink and do synergies when I think at skirmish or coming from when I played X-Wing as well. Not necessarily most powerful, but I really like synergies. And um, there are some interesting cards that you can get synergies out of um, with, the, with the vehicle. I think some of the command cards. Yeah. There are only three cards out yet with the vehicle uh, tag on it, but uh, I presume we'll get more. And uh, yeah, be interesting to see. Yeah, I... It's always uh, we had the the tournament in in Vienna. Uh, it was also always it was a, almost a month ago. Where some of the gu some of the guys, uh, at least I, I think at least one of them were actually using an ATST in the skirmish, and he he had some success with it. It was strange because he tried to use officers to get the ATST into position into key positions on the map where he could over over overview very long distances um, and this worked out quite well but he had some bad rolls and he didn't get his blast off so it wasn't that much impactful in the game I was watching but he was saying that the game before he was basically destroying his opponent because his opponent was uh, punching up and he got some lucky shots off and basically did so much damage that the ATSD paid for much more than it was costing so the ve vehicles I think they will have their time to shine uh, but I think that relying on command cards, you, you still have to wait a little bit. Of course, we have to, to see what's actually in the Return to Hoth box. But um, uh, unless you have some, maybe General Soren will have some, some good command cards for he vehicles, where you get to do maybe extra turns or so with them, like the uh, Son of Skywalker stuff. Because otherwise you are tying too much points into single figures, and single figures is always a problem that they need to they need to deal out damage faster than they normally can for what they are costing you in the in the, the armies army. So because from what I can see now in skirmish, usually the the key is to get um, deployment cards which have uh, two or more figures, which cost very very little and have the potential to deal high damage. So it's a very much race for for very very high damage and in, uh, in front, and then maybe have some some of the deployment points tied into more durable figures. But usually you have the bulk of your army is tied into figures that deal high damage quite fast, and this is for vehicles just not the case right now. So not sure how this will do in the skirmish. Also, there are no command cards as far as I know which have the the term vehicle like there are three there are three yeah i couldn't find any okay yeah so what they can they do with that you know do, do um, you have them yet Pat? i have i have them there's overrun which you use at the start of your activation and oh. during this activation when you enter a hostile figure space that figure suffers two damage yeah that's <laughs> that's actually very cool you can ah, only i use remember it, that one I and think. there's a limit only once per hostile figure but with eight movement, you can roll over a lot of enemies <laughs> in your turn. Yeah, that's that's quite for the tank. It's very good. Also for the ATS, it's good. If you have some wounded troops, you can basically just overrun them and kill them. That this is very nice. Yeah, I think. exactly. And yeah. uh, that costs two, and you can have one of them in your deck. Then there is repair, and it can be used by any figure, and it gives you a special action, 
where you choose an adjacent friendly droid or vehicle, and that figure recovers three damage. Mm. Yeah, that's that's not that good for the tank because the tank he, it doesn't it doesn't have regenerate by itself and it has very low hit points for what it costs. So I'm not sure if this will be the way to go. If you oh. want to use the tank, you should use it as an offensive weapon that might die during the skirmish missions. So yeah, I I could see you make a list of of uh, of one or two of these. And some of the assassin droids we'll get to in a bit. And um, Mr. Uh, Icky, I yeah, ID88. Yeah. And uh, then such a repair card is not necessarily linked to using it on the vehicle because you have it can droids be used too, on your yeah. others. And yeah. more importantly, what's interesting with the assassin droids, we'll get back to in a moment. I believe they have an ability because the problem with the with the tank and the ATST is that they block line of sight for your own figures. Now imagine if it didn't, if you had a had a figure that could ignore line of sight uh, being blocked. Yeah. Yeah. So you could basically move the tank and have them be able to fire through it. Yeah. But the last one isn't that interesting. Heavy armor, it's also vehicle, but it costs only one and you just ignore the PS keyword when defending. Yeah. It's situational. I think some, like some attacks, like a, uh, like a Luke, uh, saber striking ATSTs and, uh, probably also this repulsor tank, uh, the PS makes a, makes quite a difference. Yeah. I didn't get to add that the repair, by the way, is uh, cost two, and you can have two of them. And the heavy armor costs one, and you can have one of them. And basically, when you play the heavy armor card while defending, uh, the pierce has no effect. Yeah, it's uh, it's very thematic, but um, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's for one attack during a skirmish mission, so. Mm. I nice just... thing is that it says while defending. So you can wait to see what's been rolled before you decide. Yeah, again, yeah. So I just began playing Skirmish, and I wasn't aware of it. I mean, I just, I'm just i just three games in. That mm -hmm. uh, actually the, the massive figures can uh, enter interior spaces in yes, Skirmish. Yes, this is true, yeah. In Skirmish oh. they yes. can, yeah. yeah. This is the actual... Uh, without this, uh, the, the ATSD would basically be unplayable, because most yeah. of the Skirmish missions have a, a very large section of the map interior. And yeah, that's what do, I was thinking. Yeah, also, and you couldn't so. do anything. You wouldn't be able to do anything with the ATSD, besides the fact that that some deployment points of uh, on the maps are actually in interior spaces. And if this restriction would still apply to skirmish, you couldn't actually deploy the the ATSD there, even though if it would be in your army. So yeah. this wouldn't make any sense. So I think it's the same with the the habitat. Actually, I think. You don't want those things to factor in during the skirmish. You don't want someone to be yeah. handicapped already the moment you draw the mission you're going to play. Yeah, especially especially if you have a, a mission pool that's uh, multiple missions, and you draw them randomly. So it, there is no no fixed uh, fixed tournaments uh, progression through some missions where you can plan ahead to do your to to plan your army to react cert on certain uh, mission setups. But when it's randomly, like it is now, or like it will be most of the time, um, you you need to build your army around uh, actually focusing on the meta itself, on what the enemy is playing, and what you want to accomplish with your army against what the enemy is playing, or rather than tuning your army to a certain mission. So, but right now the tournament mission pool is quite uh, small, right? I know it's just free. It's just. Three three maps and this equals to six missions. Oh. 
and I think this will also stay this way, but uh, the, the mission rotation will probably be a bit faster in the next year, because yeah. this year we, we had just three different rotations, and they did just uh, switch out uh, one map uh, each time they changed the rotation, so we had only, I think, five or either five or six different maps in the tournaments, and this is quite low, I think. But I think next year they will start with uh, randomizing more of these maps. So each each iteration of the or each each um, season will have three totally different um, missions, concerning uh, compared to the last last season. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the next unit we will talk about, unless anyone has to to add something to the to the repulsor tank. But I think everyone said their stuff about this. So the next is the HK, HK Assassin Droid. So, Antonio, want to read them? Um, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's a mercenary card. It's a HK Assassin Droid. It costs 8, and to uh, reinforce the card costs 4 with the figure. It has two figures. And it uh, has the droid and the hunter keywords. Yeah, it has three search abilities. The... Um, base version version of it. It has weaken, plus one damage, and a PS1. And it has two special abilities. It's a versatile weaponry. While attacking, you may force the defender to reroll one defense die. And then the targeting computer, which is more or less the opposite. While attacking, you may reroll one attack die. Yeah. It has health 5, speed 4, a black defense die, and um... It has a ranged attack, blue, blue, and yellow. Um, the elite version of it is has a deployment cost 11 and reinforcement cost 6, also two figures. Um, yeah, the keywords are the same, and it additionally gets a additional plus 1 damage. So the elite version has two search abilities with plus 1 damage. And um, also the versatile weaponry, the targeting computer, and additionally the priority target, which um, says that figures do not block line of sight for your attacks. Yeah, the health is um, boosted to 6 from the base version of 5, and the rest stays the same. So as we already talked about, it probably adds up good with... Um, Vehicles. <laughs> using vehicles which are massive. Mm -hmm. The priority target. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what are your thoughts? I so I I'm seeing that it costs eight, has two figures, and they only have a combined total of ten health, while the the Royal Guards have a combined total of sixteen health. So right from the get go I I'm not that impressed with the with uh, the their durability in the skirmish and on the in the campaign compared to the royal guards, but seeing as that they have an attack with two blue dice, which equals to at least four range, uh, I'd say they are okay. They are snipers, but I I can't see them dealing that much damage with these dice. I don't know. Yeah. Especially but the elite version with for eleven deployment points you get two blue and a yellow die and you have pierce one and plus one damage and another plus one damage effectively dealing you damage. I don't 
I don't see this. Yeah, I think it's but rerolling can be quite powerful. Yes, it's only if you exploit the reroll that they are strong, not yes. in the other abilities. So that maybe that means always going for the elite version because you can protect them and shoot through your figures with priority target and they're yeah. making much damage so they're staying long on yeah. the board. I think also a good usage for them is to to snipe off uh, enemy enemy figures with a white die because you can when, when they roll the dodge or the, the yeah the dodge then the, you can make them reroll and they still have only a one in six to to roll the dodge again so it's a one in a one in thirty six to roll an actual dodge against these two and against these droids so it's a very low chance to roll the dodge which makes your damage stick much more. But since this isn't uh, something they they, they they attack on permanently on this figure, it, it's, it's valid only for their attack. But still, you are against a, a white die then, and you, you don't get to use your weaken, your plus one damage, and your pierce one, because you probably are against more surge, uh, more evades than usually with a with a white die. So I'm not I'm not sold on them, but I can see myself use a, at least the base version in the campaign to hide them behind like royal guards or something and snipe out against um, rebels who are using white die to 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 defend or maybe even Diala who can reroll. And but w there is a there's actually a, qu a question I had. If you attack with them, uh, Diala in the campaign, and she can use her, is it foresight? I think where she yes. can use, yeah. you, she can reroll her defense die. Is this because I remember that you can only reroll a well, die once per? per you test. only can, but it will be dependent on initiative. So whoever has initiative will have to decide whether they want the the original die to be rerolled, and if they choose to have it rerolled, then it cannot be rerolled by the other player afterwards. Okay, so... But who gets to choose first? The one who has initiative. Yeah, that in yeah the but there is no initiative in campaign, there per se in the campaign, but in, right? I think in campaign there is a, there's, there's a fixed order for the... I think oh, the yes. Imperial yeah. effects... Well, it's first... Uh, the player that currently has the, his figure activated... Oh, yeah. And he yes. chooses first if he wants to re-roll a die, and then the other one. Okay. Since this is, since it's, since this triggers off your attack, it's actually very cool against Diala because you can rob her of her one of her core abilities with this, which I think it, it's cool from the Imperial side. But maybe it's a, a mistake to introduce this into the game um, for for a player actually playing Diala because. If you if you play the ally and you were banking on her to use her reroll to get these dodges, and you are faced with assassin droids then that can basically make you reroll before you want to reroll, then I don't know. It's it's strange. So yeah, but the ally often, at least in our campaigns, ends up um, yeah, but with you will, all her uh, um, strain anyhow. So sh uh, there is always a point okay. late in the mission, at least in our campaign, where she cannot use it anymore and she okay. should have to rest but I'm you have not to sure. keep in mind that there are two different cases where you want to reroll so Diala won't reroll if she evades uh, and the droid will reroll if yes. she successfully evades so there's typically uh, everybody will reroll once 
which they can. I, I've just, I've just flipped to the page in the rules reference guide, and I think I had it wrong a moment ago. It's true that in the skirmish that you would do uh, mission rules, uh, mission rules first, then the person with initiative, and then the one without initiative. But um, there is in the the part called conflicts in page nine in the rule reference guide a thing about attacking and i think that rule with attacking is a bit different and i think it supersedes the conflict timing rules in both the campaign and the skirmish and that is okay. what you also just uh, said hendrik that when attacking then it's mission rules first effects from the attacker and anything friendly to the attacker and then effects from the defender and i think that should be the same regardless of whether it's a campaign or a skirmish. This might be true, yeah. I have to look it up too, and maybe maybe we'll find out until the next episodes, because it's a little bit complicated then, because you, all these different timings and all these different yeah, timing time, instances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, timing is solved a bit different in, in at, at, at different types of games, yeah. at different times in those games. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's getting complicated yeah. already. And this is even the this is just even the second expansion. It's the first big box expansion. It's already complicated. But in um, skirmish, it says during a skirmish, mission rules are resolved first, followed by effect from a player with initiative, then effects from his opponent. So yeah, but there's a there's a separate separate section for when uh, conflicts happen during an attack. I think. Yeah. This is there, is, this there is, is yes, there is there is a kind of a preamble earlier of that's specific yeah. about attacking. Yes. And this, I think, this takes precedence before yeah, the special right. rules for for skirmishing campaigns. Huh? Yes, this might be true. I'll I'll look it up and maybe I'll do something I, in the I've, show notes for this. I've found uh, it was something I came more aware about as we finished our um, our second campaign uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, how those different rules play a part. I haven't seen it happen with re-rolling dice before, but I find that it can be quite important in the campaign, especially. When um, when you declare an attack, the order of of which the the rebel player and the imperial player respectively get to decide what kind of extra cards they want to use is is quite significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah for the for the for the reroll, I don't know. I'm still not buying them, so I I, I like I like my royal guard still more as an imperial player, but. I I would like to add to what you guys talked about uh, concerning the assassin droids mm-hmm. that it also depends a lot on the map you're on and of course you can't know when you build your your list but I the last match Gomez match I played we had a fairly large tile in the middle between us and we were both a bit hesitant to engage and I can see a number of situations where it's nice that you can basically force your enemy to charge towards you and uh, by shooting at them from range with your assassin droid and they will have to move forward into the field which might allow them to attack but then they also get in range of you striking with your other units mm-hmm. this is it, i think that most of the skirmish maps are unfortunately too narrow uh, at least right now to to actually take advantage of the this long ranges because usually that the base they they have a base range of 4 this is already I think very a very long range for a for a very low roll because usually you will roll f- at least five or maybe at least six or more and this is 
a range that you don't easily find on maps, especially when you take the, the regular version of the droids, which don't have these priority target stuff where you can shoot through for figures. But uh, maybe this changes with the, the, the hot tires. Maybe the hot tires are feature more, more of these long corridors or even larger open fields, which are in the base game, but they are not used to to to, uh, to effect where they connect to a very large battlefield. So this might be different for when Hoth came, comes around. I, I don't remember what skirmish I played last, but it had a large forested tile in the center and a corridor on the side, and it was basically the only way to approach each other. And uh, and I really missed range there, and we were both a bit sort of holding back, and uh, I could see the assassin droids having been very yeah, interesting that's, there. Yeah, that's, that's very nice there, yeah. And I also think that the... the I mean, it, it, they don't really have a lot of sort of kaboom to them, that sort of... There's not a lot of uh, whipped cream when you look at them immediately. Oh. But I think I think, I think think the, the, uh, the, the issue about probability that you can change both your own die and one of the defender's dice can... Um, I, I, I really do think it makes a difference in sort of in terms of probability coming more to your... Yeah, you have, of course you have to to know when to reroll one of your dice and when to reroll the defense die of the enemy, of course. Yeah. Okay, so these are the droids. Unless anyone else wants to weigh in. <laughs> Let's see if, uh, no, uh, Herrick hasn't joined red yet. So the next unit we have is the Wampa. And of course, everyone who watches Empire Strikes Back knows this guy. And, uh, yep, you, do you want to read, uh, the Wampa, the regular, regular and the, the elite version? Okay. It is a Wampa and it's a scum and villainy card. It, the regular one costs five threat or five deployment points. It has the keywords creature and brawler. It has a static plus one damage, so you don't have to use a surge, you just always add one damage. And it has the habitat snow, so in the campaign you can only use it in uh, snow-related missions. It has two surge abilities, one is a stun, and the other one is a cleave two. And it has three special abilities well, one of them is efficient travel. You can ignore additional movement point costs for difficult terrain and hostile figures. So it's in the same vein as the the snowtroopers. Uh, the second ability is called hunger. At the start of your activation, if there are no hostile figures within three spaces, gain two movement points. And then it has the non-sentience that we have previously seen on the Nexu, which means that it cannot interact. The Wampa comes with a whopping 9 health, 3 speed, a black defense die, and the attack is 2 red dice. So that's a fair amount of damage, considering that it also adds 1 extra static damage to anything it hurts. The uh, Elite version is much the same. Uh, it costs 8 instead of 5. It has a static plus 2 damage instead of 1. The Cleave 2 has been upgraded to a Cleave 3. And the Stun has been upgraded to a Bleed and Stun. And it has the same abilities, efficient travel, so that it can move easily against uh, across enemies and difficult terrain. And it's got the Hunger, so it gets the extra movement points if there are 
no enemies within three spaces when it starts, and it's also got the non-sentient. Um, it has 12 health, a speed of 3, a black defense die, and 2 red dice. So basically the stats are the same, except for health that are 3 extra, uh, sort of in the base stats. I like this guy. I would play him every mission. <laughs> I mean, he gets two red die, right? Yeah, that's. that's I'm in nice. love with him. <laughs> okay, so uh, I think from from what we saw in Essen, he is a large figure, so he he occupies actually two spaces. Is this right? I haven't I haven't seen them. Yes, see, uh, you can see it at the top picture. But when I look at it's the picture on the oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. He ha he occupies two two spaces, which means that he cut he can't he can't uh, go diagonal. Are you diagonally. sure it's so only two? Yeah, it's the, the yeah, same I think board as the either it's two or four, but doesn't actually matter because at the, at the time it has more than one. It's considered to be a large figure, which means that he can't travel uh, in diagonals. He has to travel uh, orthogonally, or how do you say? It? Uh, not diagonally. So the the movement points he gets, it look it looks like much, but when you consider at the start of the activation, if there are no hostile figure with, figures within three spaces, gain two movement points, which only brings you barely to this figure. If you if there is a figure just outside the free range, if it's standing not directly in front or back or left or right from you, so it. It looks like he's very mobile, but uh, considering that he's a large figure, he really isn't. So, but I still, the, I still like him. I still very isn't much. Isn't like the him. idea? Isn't the idea of the hunger that it's impossible for him to move to any enemy only with the two movement points from hunger? Yeah, yes, that too. Yeah, but it might also be impossible for him to to reach an enemy which is just outside the free range, uh, even with the two additional movement points, because he has to travel uh, very awkwardly so this this is what i'm saying that the that the hunger might not help you reach figures when they are just outside your range even though you sh it, the hunger actually is there to make you able to 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 reach these figures so it might not help you the hunger so that's what and I and also a big problem is he is a melee guy, right? So yes, um, the hunger will not help you once you are there in the action. You know, like in the middle of the action because you want to go per close and personal as you might want to say. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the hunger, the, the two movement points you gain, you have to spend at the start of your activation anyway because you gain them uh, outside of a movement action, which means you have to spend them immediately. That means if there are no if there are no figures within three spaces from you, you have to use two movement points or they get discarded. I, I it shouldn't because no, I think it movement, is movement. It's only if you get movement points outside your turn you have to use them yeah. immediately as an interrupt. Sure if you get them in your own turn, you can sort of put them in your movement point bank and use them mm, at any time. Yeah, I I think there we there there was a discussion on Borg and Geeks or or the forums where this I I, I thought this was the case, but I think. Every time it's you get them as interrupt, even though it might be your own activation, you might, because it was a, a question with Gideon and his, I think it's Master Stroke, where you get to, to get, where you get um, two movement points after each command, you have to use these 
movement points after the command and then might you might uh, uh, trigger another command with master stroke but you have to move the two movement points before or just lose them so this yeah but it's but it's but it's an interrupt and this is not an interrupt this is an interrupt because you don't gain it through a normal action so i i I disagree because I know, sure. for instance, with having playing Finn Sickness, yeah. Finn Sickness has this, yeah. uh, I think it's called tactical movement, yes. where at the start of his turn he can give two movement points. Yes. And at that time I looked it up and I have it uh, here as well, the movement points in the rules reference guide. It was quite important that if he gave them to someone else, they have to do it immediately because they get it outside their turn. Isn't but tactical movement, his, doesn't it only work for someone else? No. No, it's for your for yourself or a figure up to really? I think okay, two spaces away. But but the bullet pointed movement point says as follows: If a figure gains movement points when it is not its activation, okay. those movement points must be spent immediately as an interrupt or be lost. Okay. Then someone then on the, the forum got it wrong, I think. Movement points are intangible resources that are not tracked by tokens. When a figure gains movement points, the player announces how many movement points his figure has and mm -hmm. counts out loud as he spends movement points. Okay. Yeah, yeah um, I just saw in the forums also, if you gain it yourself in your own turn, which it, which he does, because he is doing it at the beginning of his own turn, you have kind of a bank, uh, like you yeah. said. I can't think of any situation with the bumper where the difference would matter because you want to move uh, towards it the enemy could, anyway. It, it could if could if he is uh, stunned, for instance. Yes. Yes, it could. Yeah. Then it. Because I've had lost, that on. Yeah. I have had that on Finn Sickness where he was stunned, and he gave himself the movement point, and he couldn't use them. He unstunned, okay. and he had the movement points. Okay. Yeah. The miracle it's not its activation. I'll be lost. Hmm. Yeah, you seem to be. I, I I really remember reading someone on the forums that that there is a there is a there is a um what's it called a, a skill card for Gideon which did what I said. Let's see, I'll I'll look it up for short. Um, where is Gideon? Here. Where is it? Um, it's a mobile tactician maybe. Yeah. It's mobile tactician. After you resolve command, gain two movement points. And I think reading on the board, on the boards, that to use this and to use it with uh, master stroke, which basically gives you another command after your first command, you have to use the two movement points from uh, mobile tactician before you do the second command or lose them. Even though it's your activation because you are actually giving out the, the command. So, Maybe I have to... I remember it being on the FFG boards, but I, I, I'll look up the thread. Maybe later it, in the show I have it. Uh, I, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's an important distinction whether you get movement points within your own activation or outside it that I think is easily missed. I know, yeah. That, that's I, I remember this too, but I think someone argued... Oh, we have a new story. I think someone argued, argued that this... Actually, since you get it as an interrupt, it's also... Basically saying that you have to spend them immediately, but this is all obviously. I I think since I I was looking up interrupt in the rules reference guide right now, this is I I'm I agree with you now. It's obviously wrong. So let's see if I can find it. So on to the ter onto the the topic of the um, the wampa. So <laughs> uh, 
I still like him, even though he's slower than he actually seems. But what are your thoughts on the Wampa? Would you play him in the skirmish? What I like the most about him is actually his cleave. Yes. Because I really, really, really like um, abilities that you can do damage to things without them having their defense abilities. And um, I, I should mention, probably get back to this when we're talking about um, what we've played lately. Um, because our, our campaign ended in a very epic fashion, considering something like that. And and Cleave can do that. And I'm thinking that it's interesting that he's a larger figure because you have a... It might be more difficult to squeeze him in where you want him to be. But once he's there, he can do some interesting stuff with his Cleave. Yeah, that's, that's what, I, what I'm banking on during the campaign, of course, also. The, I think the, the Cleave in Skirmish, it will be very good but since it's a scum and villainy card it's still hard to fit it into a, a list i think because right now scum and villainy it's still underdeveloped but it i might get be wrong more, they said in the interview so yeah it, um, that's that's what they keep saying but <laughs> it's there is there's nothing there's if this is the the only scum and villainy card in the in the um, Core box in the half box. Besides, uh, what's it called? What's he called? The the bounty hunter. Um, when where is Harry going to need him? Because he knows this stuff. <laughs> the other the other one of the 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 villain packs is a bounty hunter. Hunter. It's Dengar, I think. And I think yeah. him and the Vampa are the only two scum and villainy cards in the the next wave, if we want to call it that. So this is. What about the the assassin droids? Uh, really? Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, maybe I for for some reason I was for some reason I was finding them in, in my head as Imperials. But you're you're perfect right. With, with with the assassin droids, it might be actually a good idea to build a common villainy uh, list yeah. somewhere around when half is released. I think. Also, there's an interesting command card I just found. There's one called Close the Gap. And it costs two and has a limit yes. of one. And you yeah. can uh, use it at your start of the round to move every brawler up to one space. That might come in handy when using um, huh. the Vampas. But, I mean, it's it's um, it's um a limit of one, right? So you have one out of 15 cards in your deck. And you have to have it first. Yes, it. and it, I think... Uh, close... No, close the, close the gap... Uh, it's also a staple of the 4x4 list because it gives your all of your brawlers, which is all of your um, uh, royal, guards. royal guards. Yeah, the royal guards. Uh, an additional movement at the start of the round, which lets you reposition them like crazy. But uh, in this case, for the for the Wampa and maybe for, for other melee-based um, scum and villainy factions, faction cards, it might be very Good. So, it I'd still include it because the one moving point might get you where you want to be, and being able to cleave with this guy, it's invaluable. So, I think when you play it, I I would for sure I would do all of all all in my ability to include cards that give me movement points for this guy, because he's so strong. And the only downside he has is that he is so slow. Okay, should we go on? There is there is some interesting uh, creature cards that could be used with him as well. Yeah, yeah. 
because he is a creature and he, he him and the Nexu, it, it might be a good team, I think, because the Nexu can bounce in and out of combat because they are so mobile and him, he can stay in there and really deal out the damage, so. And maybe even pair this up with some Wookiees to have a full-on creature deck where you uh, only have creatures because I think Wookiees also have to trade creature, right? Is this correct? Um, I think they have. I think they also have creature brawler. There is there is some cards that uh, there is a card that's used by either creature or Wookiee. I think they oh, have their no, own. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah, everybody but Chewbacca is a brawler. So that's, the that's very yeah. Garkan, <laughs> the elite Wookiee warrior, and the Wookiee warrior. Yeah, who they are, they are not about. creature. They are only they are not creature. They are no, they are on the crawl, yeah. And, then, and, and please don't say this to their face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have the to Wookie, include yeah. the card that lets you, uh, uh, put in, um, oh no. How, how do you, I'm confused. How do you get the Tem Rebel Alliance cards in your deck? Because, it, Alliance. but isn't it, uh, isn't, doesn't it only include, let you include, uh, Imperial cards? Or? No, there's a there's one of these uh these temporary alliance cards in every faction. It it always costs one ah. and it lets you include on okay. the rebel side you get to include either I think one deployment card from the scum and villains. On the imperial side you include one uh scum and villains, and on the scum and villains side you can include one of imperials. Yeah, that's the only one I I'm aware of right You can't you yeah. can't ever include in a in a mostly scum and villain faction. You can't include also rebels. Yes. But for this, yes. for this, you already have Saska, who can include two, uh, Imperial, uh, two, um, what they called, um, uh, scum and villains. With the card, you can include another one. So you basically have a mainly. Well, I don't know that the rebels have a card, a deployment card upgrade where they can, uh, I think it's, see. it's only for the empire that can bring two scum and villainy. And the scum and villainy that can bring to um, that's they have balance of the force and fury of Kashik and rebel high command. None rebel of them high command, the right? Yeah. They don't get to include them, but you have that, but you have Sasuke for this now. You have Sasuke for that exactly. Yeah. So she's filling in a, a void there. Yeah, maybe they realize that they, they need this and give it to Sasuke for yeah. Okay, so you can include some of the scum and villains, but it's still. It's still hard to mix all of the factions, so and I think it will stay. It will stay hard to to mix them because they want to have this thematic cohesion, binding the binding the lists together around the the factions, and to not to not pick and choose which are the best traits or which are the best search abilities to to actually combine, but to to be able to or not to be able to pick and choose what you want, but to uh, stay within a faction and only. Picking one or maybe two uh, figures from another faction to complement your stuff, but not to pick and choose what you want. Okay, so the Wampa, I'd still play him in both modes of play, so I like him. It's my new favorite card, so <laughs> that's it. And uh, you will see more of it when we play the health campaign online. Okay, so the next uh, we have... Spoiled two cards, two, uh, what's it called? Agenda cards from the agenda deck. From, from one of the three agenda decks featured in the half expansions. Is it three or four? I can't remember. Uh, two. 
new agenda sets and two new imperial classes it says only two agenda sets that's very few i thought it was three okay so it's just two and they are called natural warfare and offensive tactics and i'm not sure if you're gonna read them because they are yeah okay i'll i'll just read two of them it's so hendrik's turn okay okay then let's then let's <laughs> then let's read hendrik the natural warfare one which it called it's called bestial fury yeah it's bestial fury and you keep the card secret and you can choose the creature um that figure may perform an attack and you get an additional search to the attack results. Then the attacker becomes bleeding and weakened. Then either discard this card or shuffle it back into your agenda deck. What is this? It's I don't this, like it. <laughs> it's actually it's it's a it's a agenda card version of the ferocity command card that you can use in Skirmish that does uh, yeah, but more or less the same. But becoming bleeding and weakened in a in the campaign, when you, I'm, oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's cool to use it on the Wampa and to dish deal out cleaves, but when you really need it. But still, uh, you pay one influence, and then you, you, you only get to add one surge, and then you become bleeding and weakened. I don't know, and you discard it. Oh, <laughs> that's that's an awful lot to suffer it, for this card. The thing is, just in for the, one in attack. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't. I think. I think it's worth the point. I, w I would like to have. It it's on flexible my because you can apply it. Uh, um, no, you you have to do it before you declare it, right? Yeah. No, no. It's it's at the end of the round. Uh, so no. it's choose a creature that trigger ah, may yeah. perform no, an attack. No, he's right. Uh, it's yeah. outside. It's outside the normal activation. Yep, right. ah, and yes. the thing, and yes. the thing is, I've quite often seen. Also, I've mm. I've been want to do it myself as a as a rebel player. That you have the knowledge that going into the next round, you will get to act first, and that means you might place yourself in a situation that is deadly in front of a deadly Wamba, for instance, or some other thing, because ah. you know that you're going to start the next round, and you can then continue your path past it, or you can kill it, or you can do other things to neutralize the danger. But here you're in a situation where the one will say, or the mm. next will say, uh-uh, and it will hurt you. Yeah, still, I... Uh, these end-of-round effects, they are still... They are cool, and they are certainly powerful, but my... I think this is also because my guys usually stay away from these guys before the end of the round. <laughs> so they, they don't ever end the round be, uh, right besides me melee attackers, since they learned in the first campaign that the Royal Guard sometimes can uh, attack at the end of the round and this hurt them quite a bit sometime. So usually they don't do this anymore. So this this card is useless against my guys anyway. So, But actually the big thing about the Wampa, which we didn't really mention, is um, the chance that he will get a surge is really low. I mean, yes. there's just one side on the red die which actually has one. Yeah. So it's um, the chance is not the biggest, right? It's one third. To no, get it's, a it's search. one six. It's one sixth, I think, because you're rolling two. Yeah, it's, uh, it's two. It's two six. in twelve. No, it's two in six. Yes, two in six because you roll two die dice. Yeah. So it's one third to at, uh, roll exactly one search. And with special fury, you can actually get one for sure. You know, you can get one search for sure. And he has all these cool abilities we talked about, but just now I realize, well. 
the chance that you really cle can cleave or that you really can make bleed and stun is not that high. I mean, it's one one third, so it's not that big. Yeah, and most people yeah. will roll the the evades. Just wanted to say that. I I still like him. I don't know. <laughs> e even without Bestial Fury, I still I would, because the damage alone makes him worthwhile. I think the two yeah. reds. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's it's quite good, but yet the search the search you will hardly get because you have a ch chance of one third of rolling look uh, with, a search. Look, with, when when I'm when I'm rolling six damage on the red dice plus two damage in eight, that's eight damage. I don't need this cleave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, bestial fury. I'm I'm not sold on it. I think it's still not that cool, but we will see. Maybe I'll buy it. I don't know. And so the next card is... The second card spoiled. Yeah. It's Counter-Strike. You also keep the card secret. During any mission, you may spend one influence to play this card while an Imperial figure is defending. It itself is one influence, so it basically costs two mm -hmm. influence. You apply one uh, defense and one evade to the defense results after the attack resolves. If the target did not suffer any damage, the attacker suffers three damage. Huh? Then discard this card or shuffle it back into your Gender deck. It's very similar to the Deflection Command card, in where if you don't uh, suffer any damage, the you get to... The, the, the attacker suffers two, I think. Is it two or something like this? Uh, let's see. I, um, I have to look it up uh, online. But uh, still, I'm... It's also for one influence and one influence to play it. I'm not sure. So this is deflection. Deflection reads: It's for force users in the command card. It's a command card for force users. Use when an attack targeting you is declared. Apply minus two accuracy to the attack results. If the attack is, is resolved, after the attack is resolved, if you did not suffer any damage, the attacker suffers two damage. It costs one and limits two per deck. So this is similar to to how this works. Just that you you are not getting minus two accuracy on the on the attack, but plus one block and plus plus one evade, which I I kind of like. You can you can use it on important uh, figures to save them. It, this because this is what what <laughs> what broke your guys back when we were playing the campaign online in the mission with with Sark, uh, where I was uh, healing him up constantly and I was uh, doing a, a decent job of defending him. He didn't do any, he didn't deal that much damage, but he survived the, the, the turns. And this is what this card also enables you to do, to survive turns with figures that are important. So, and I like this. I also yeah. like the, the, a similar card is the one in, in the Imperial Industry deck where you get to heal one of your figures for two red die. You basically at the end of the round roll two red die. And what you re roll as damage, you get to heal one of your figures for that. And this is also very nice to use on the Royal Guard Champion, on IG-88, or on Vader. It's just very nice to to protect your valuable uh, figures. So, and for this reason, I like this card too. Okay, so I just, yeah, I like both of them f uh, for being one influence cards that has a small. Uh, Useful uh, effect. Yeah. 
So, there's Unchained, right? And yeah. Yeah. Antonia, go Unchained. We'll uh, unleash unle you. Yeah, it's also, also natural warfare. Um, place this card in your play area. Deplete this card after you deploy a creature during an optional deployment. That figure may interrupt to perform a move. Then, choose a hostile figure adjacent to that creature. That figure suffers one damage. Yeah, it costs two influence. And as I, as I already said, it's a natural warfare deck. Which comes new into Hoth. Yeah. The only redeeming bit is that you get to do it every mission. Yeah. Because it's because a deplete you, card. Yeah, to, to move your Vampa. <laughs> yeah, but um, the problem is he interrupts to perform a move, but the question is if he comes close enough because he has only speed 3. Yes. Um, but he, he gets to where he that the I think the the plus one damage that the the one damage you can deal out to to a hero, it's it's just an incentive to maybe use it on an extra two if you if you are in a bind. But I think this is mainly mainly a card for the Wampa, because the the movement is much more powerful than the actual one damage. At least if you are playing it on a Wampa. Doesn't matter if he doesn't get to the enemy. He's at least closer. Yes, that's that's for sure. So this is Unchained and uh Bestial Fury is the second card of the Natural Warfare deck which is spoiled. And the Counter-Strike card which uh Hendrik read is from the F defensive tactics deck. That's yeah, it's hard to read. Okay. So the defensive tactics agenda deck deck also has, I think, another card which is spoiled, which is called Personal Shield Generators. And this reads, uh, place this card in your play area. Deplete this card when an attack targeting an Imperial figure is declared to apply, to apply plus free block to the defense results. And it costs you two influence to buy it. Which is, again, I like it for the reasons I said earlier. It's great to protect your figures and this will help you protect your figures so i like and it i'd buy it you can use it every mission you can use it every mission yeah you can only, only use it once per mission but it's still one of the two influence it's better because you don't discard you. it and you can yeah. save for the three of the damage so it's might be better for defending yeah Okay, so these are the newly spoiled agenda decks or agenda cards and agenda decks so on to the newly spoiled um, Imperial class decks, which are called Precision Training and Armored Onslaught. These are oh, that's these. There are actually quite a few cards spoiled for this, so I think we will not progress beyond this article this episode because we already blown past our the one hour mark. So um, these are two new the two new uh, class decks in the new half pack or in the new half expansion and the first of which is pinpoint accuracy of the let's see precision training deck and it costs one xp uh Jeppe, you want to read it deplete this card while an imperial figure is attacking to apply minus one dodge to the defense results this is awesome yes it moving is moving on <laughs> so do you really think it's awesome i mean yeah yes. yeah yeah <laughs> so it but it's it's deplete, so you get to do it every mission. 
and it's while, so you don't have to do it unless the yes. person actually I rolls can, a dodge. Yeah, yeah, I can wait for your roll, and then I can wait for your re-roll, and then I do it. Okay, right, there yeah. it's normally at least one dodge on every mission. I can see that. So yeah, okay. But I th I think this is awesome. And the chances are still XP. one sixth, unless you are R two D two and have lucky or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but once a mission, you are probably most probably going to use it. You're right. And it's 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 one XP, and for this, I I think the the effect it has. Imagine you having a, a very powerful attack, and you want to make sure to wound one of the heroes who has a white die, and you are just keeping this for this very instance, and this work this works every time you use it, it works in your favor. It's not. There's no really any variance for it because if you don't deal that much damage, you don't have to use it. You use it in the next attack when the enemy, uh, when the hero actually rolls a dodge. So it's, I, I think it's very, it's a very good card. So yeah, but I like it. I don't know. I think game wise, it might be not the best card because yes, I, I wouldn't play that much anymore after that as a hero. I, like every time I actually roll a dodge, which yeah. not that often. I'm like relieved and I feel somehow, yeah. I don't know, happy and then... <laughs> I know, it's... The, the thing is... nicely challenged or balanced out with that it. it's a deplete card and not an exhaust. No, uh, the, the reason I, I don't think so is because it, again, it uh, it seems this this deck and especially combined with the, the new droids, this is again geared towards making the, the rebels suffer for... Like, similar to the subversive tactics deck, it's taking away fun from the from the rebels, I think. Yes, yes. Because you 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 do you do the stuff you do during normal play, and everything seems okay, and then something of this deck from this deck comes comes over and just whacks you on the head, and you just feel bad after this. So I I'm a little hesitant to to use it actually. I, I mean, I like it, but my players will probably very much hate it, and they really hated the subversive tactics deck, and it wasn't any it wasn't that much fun to play in the la in the last few missions just because they were robbed of their options and they just felt bad playing so but you speak of that as if seen from a rebel perspective because i definitely know that our imperial counterpart in the latest campaign has had a lot of his fun and joy robbed by people rolling x's that's for sure i i know but um I think the aim should be to to enable both sides instead of one side disabling the other. In of course this should this should count on both sides. So uh the rebels shouldn't get any any new stuff to to disable uh imperial stuff from the get go or when when there is defenses and you just take away the defenses like uh I think there is an there's a there's a ability of Diala where she can uh, take away the defense tie of one figure, I think, which is also I think this is also very anti-fun if you ask me. But since on the rebel side, usually you are it's it's more about balancing out getting to a, to the objective and uh, balancing out or getting rid of some figures. This is actually in line with what the rebels need to do. But for the for the imperial player taking away stuff from the from the rebels, I don't think this should happen ever. But maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't know. I I think as a rebel, I wouldn't enjoy it. So 
I think these abilities that you talk of, I think the nice thing is that it always it always has a trade-off when you use them. This, for instance, you could only use it once in a mission. So sometimes you might pass by a good opportunity because, or you could have used it because you hope that there'll be an even more important one later down the road. And for Diala, when she's removing a defense die from an opponent, which can be really strategically important, she does take two strain, and that locks down, down a lot of what shells can do. Yeah. And I know, that's that's true, still, that that's just the cost you pay, but the actual effect, I, I think it's, the actual effect shouldn't do what, what it does for pinpoint accuracy, so yeah. it's a little bit of a philosophy argument. It's, I it's just, it's, I think it's just psychologically, yeah. like, if you, you know, like, you rolled the dodge and you're like, yeah, and then pinpoint nope. accuracy. <laughs> Yeah, no, so Diala is a little bit different um, in the on the psychic part of it because you you are not you going to roll a die which you will you miss. Don't you don't ever roll the die, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to the next card, which is exacting strike. Um, who's on, whose turn is it, Antonia? Uh, uh, I think I just was, but uh, no, um, go go on, Antonia. Yeah, it costs two threat. It is uh, oh, first of all, it's uh, in the precision training deck. Cost two threat, exhaust this card when an Imperial figure declares an attack to remove one die from the target's defense pool, and it's a three XP card, so it's more or less Diala's ability. Yes, and it costs two threat. Yeah. I mean, it's very expensive for costing two threat because usually you want to spend it two threat for another figure on the board, but when you when you wanted to to remove or to wound a a rebel hero. This can be very deadly, and yeah, I, I think these things are not. I mean, they can be used to stack a lot of damage, and if you have a heavy hit coming in, but mm -hmm. they can also be used to if you want to be sure to stun them, for instance. Yeah, uh, or similar things where you need to do damage to to trigger some sort of ability. Yeah, I mean, they need to they need to introduce something more defensive wise for the. Rebels to counteract this because right now the precision training deck it looks very very anti fun for the for the rebels if you ask me. This is again like I said it's similar to what the other does and it's not as bad as pinpoint accuracy if you ask me and especially with the threat threat cost and with the higher XP cost it's I, I don't think it is as as bad but it's still in I think that's it's the wrong direction but. I don't know. Okay, so you can also boost your own dice with the versatile at versatile attack card, which is also from the Precision Training deck. For one threat, exhaust this card when an Imperial figure declares an attack to add one yellow die to attack pool, and the attack gains surge for weaken, surge for plus one damage, and surge for PS two. This is, on the other hand, very awesome. I think this is. Very thematic for the for what the deck is named after, and I I like this card. It's it gives you very many options instead of taking away options from your opponent. It still has a hefty a hefty cost to pay, but it's also very powerful. So I it it's for for from the card that are spoiled that are spoiled. I like it the most from if you ask me. So any other. Thoughts on this card? Because it's... Yeah, I, I buy it in a heartbeat. It's better because it costs less XP and threat, so you can move it. It's more yeah, likely compare, that you can move it. 
Yeah, comparing to the to the exact strike, of course, yeah. It's more cheap, but uh, I also think it's more powerful, but not not more powerful, but it could be more powerful. Let's just say it this way. Yeah, it can also be misused to um, give figures who do not have that many surges on average, like Darth Vader or the Wampa we just talked about, to right. give them more surges yeah. and not use um, the surge abilities themselves on the card at all. Yes. Yeah, right. that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And yeah. that's that's I think that's the the very the beauty of the design of this card. It, it's very yeah. awesome because it gives you so much options and so much options to actually yeah. combine different cards. That's that's not there with the other two cards we talked about right now. So this is I think I, I really like this card. So the la I think the last card from the precision training deck that is spoiled is single minded. Uh, Yepa, it's your turn I think. And then it's. Exhaust this card when an Imperial figure re-rolls an attack die. Instead of re-rolling that die, change that die result to another result of your choice on that die. Now, then there's a second ability <laughs> on it, that you can pay one threat to ready the card. <laughs> so, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. As an Imperial player, this is, this is very awesome. But again, this is taking away... I mean, it's not taking away fun from the from the rebels. It's just adding fun to the to the imperial player because you get to do more powerful stuff. But I think this is a really extremely powerful card. But yeah, it also costs four XP, right? So yeah, it's, it's, I know, it's so yeah. strong that it's okay that it's the most expensive card yes. of precision training. I I I like it. I I think it's very well balanced. I think the the effect is good and. Uh, com uh, combined with the other cards that are in the deck, even if the other cards might actually be bad f psychologically for the rebels, it's a it's a it's a deck that seems to combo well, similar to how the the subversive tactics decks combos well. But it's just you need now. to you need to put in some work to make it happen. Yeah, you you need to have an. Uh, um a figure which can reroll an attack die first to even uh, use it, right? Maybe the assassin yes. droids. Yes. You need so that's to... the assassins and the stormtroopers. I w for a moment I thought I, I could imagine some Imperial officers becoming immortal, but luckily it's only on attack dice. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, that would be... And especially be... those missions where there are some missions where there's an Imperial officer you have to kill in several missions in the yeah. basic campaign, and I presume you can use this deck in the basic campaign. If it could be used for defending roles as well, it would just be horrible. Yeah, but like you said, that this only works for figures or yeah, for yeah, attacks yeah, where you reroll yeah, a die. Yeah. Um, don't forget, this deck is called Worth, uh, Precision Training, and it might have other cards that let you reroll dice. So yeah, I actually think point. there is a card in there yeah, hidden yeah. somewhere that isn't spoiled that lets you reroll dice, even if you're not playing the HK droids or the the stormtroopers. So yeah. I have to say, so far though, it's not maybe so popular with you guys, but I really like this entire deck. 
But what I like with from what we've seen so far is that it doesn't seem like it's key to specific things. Like military might, you sort of if you play with that deck, you sort of have to have troopers. Yeah. If you um, if you play the the one from Twin Shadows, you kind of have to have leaders. Mm-hmm. If you play the technological superiority, you kind of have to have droids. Um, if you play um, subversive tactics, you kind of want to play with uh, Trandoshan Hunters and Nexus that can do Bleed and Strain. Uh, which, by the way, our Imperial player in the last mission had trouble at some of the missions. He's not allowed to bring those units. And it seems with all these that the nice thing is that you can just have this deck and you can be versatile in each mission in what you bring. And and you can use your deck regardless. Yes. yes. That's... But even if there is a card which lets you reroll... I mean, this one, um, single-minded, costs 4 XP, right? So you have to get the card first, which lets you reroll, and then this one for 4 XP. So it will get quite expensive before you can use it on other figures besides the one who have the ability to reroll in the in the very beginning. I mean, yeah, but 4 XP plus maybe another 2 XP card that's just, under air quotes, 2, uh, two more XP for 6 XP, which is... About half of the budget you have throughout a campaign. This mm. doesn't strike me as much considering how powerful this is. So I still I... hope that there will be like a, I don't know, maybe they will have like the exception that you cannot use it on elite figures, for example, because just imagine Vader. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not I sure know. if it will be balanced, if Vader can do that. For example, also the ATST can use it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> with with brutality or something. I just I don't know. I just don't feel like it's balanced if elite figures can do that. But yeah, we will see. Oh, that's Herrick. <laughs> you Herrick, we, we need you before we <laughs> in the last in the last ninety minutes. <laughs> Glad. Yeah. Oh, you got a lot of static. It doesn't. Yeah, lo- you need to stop wiggling with the with the connection connection. <laughs> uh, no. No, it's actually worse now. Just, just stop, don't stop screwing it. around. <laughs> Eric, we needed your geek knowledge at the beginning. Where were you? <laughs> yeah, we. I was. I was just. <laughs> your mic clearly does not approve with you agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to agree less. Eric, Eric, stop touching your mic. Really, it worked before. <laughs> okay, so um, the whatever you call it, <laughs> yeah, the precision training deck. It's very good, and I like it. And I'm on the Epis side, of course. It looks very, it looks very focused in that you can uh, you can combine different cards from it and with different deployment cards. To, to make certain combos happen or not. And it's, it's viable for any, any units you bring. So this is certainly a plus. Which of course doesn't happen for the second, uh, new class deck, which is called Armored Onslaught. And, um, I think it's, uh, Hendrik's turn now. Do you want to read Rapid Dominance from the Armored Onslaught? It's actually a 4 XP card, but whatever. Another 4 XP card? Yes, that's it's from, this, from the other deck. Rapid yeah. Dynamite, it's for the Armored Onslaught deck. It's spend two threat, 
Exhaust this card during a heavy weapon or vehicle figure's activation. That figure may perform an additional action. Or it's three threat, deplete this card to ready one heavy weapon or vehicle deployment card. Which is very awesome, but it's tied to heavy weapons and vehicles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. But the question is, what are you doing with the additional action? Because you cannot attack twice, even with that one. Hey, you can move. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Of course. Don't forget, don't forget the vehicles usually are massive, and this means you can push around enemy figures, or in this case, heroes. So. Yeah. Mm. Uh, interesting thought. If you have the, the, what was it, overrun? You can run over a lot of stuff. I, I think overrun is just, you it's just, just a skirmish. Yeah. yeah, but don't you think that there will be an ender card that will do the same? Don't, don't get know. your hopes up. <laughs> it, that in the in the armored onslaught, it might be. Yeah, it might be. So uh, yeah, but it's I'm not spoiled, but it might. Many be many there, of the yeah. command cards have a have a uh, have an agenda card that does something similar, or maybe it will be a class card. I still think I would use it to ready the tank again for the three threat level, so we can use it twice. Which makes uh, 13 threat points instead of 20 for four attacks with a lot of dice and all rainbow colors. Yes. You can also uh, go for, for Vice. He is also a vehicle or heavy weapon. Yeah, you have to earn him first. So. But uh, you cannot attack twice with him, right? No, no. He. Uh, I think um, uh, Hendrik said that he, he probably uses it to... Attack. to yeah. Yeah. No, you can't, but you can if you ready the deployment card for free threat. Yes, that's what then, he's talking about, that yeah. he yes. readies the repulsor tank and then again uses it, use it to attack twice. Yeah. Yes, this so is I can possible, focus fire t two times in the round. So it's four oh attacks. With you, a, you, just, you just need to survive one, one rebel activation for this. Yeah, and then you get to. That's possible it. because it's 10 health and defensible and it's very far yes, away. Yes, yes. So it's, I think it's quite good. It's very powerful, of course. <laughs> I think I will join the Imperial side for Hoth. We will have no rebel <laughs> players left in all <laughs> Then I will pray the rebels, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so. The next card from the from the same Imperial class deck is Automated Repairs. Even though I think Herwig left us again. Yeah, he's trying to figure out um, his mic problems. So the next one is called Automated Repairs. It's an attachment for a heavy weapon, droid, or vehicle only. And it gives you a surge ability, exhaust this card to recover two damage and it gives you an action exhaust this card to recover one damage and it's one xp so it's a very good way to keep your tank around for the second go against the hero so <laughs> i don't know it's one xp and you can heal your your droid and heavy weapon and vehicle so i like it so it's amazing i mean you can use it once around right Yes, you can use it once around, and it's basically yeah. regenerate two or one each round. If you do it right, it may be possible that the assassin droids don't uh, die so fast. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah, to attach it to them. Yeah, a lot of surges, so um, yeah, because you got three dice, you most and the, and the yellow die too. So yeah. it's I, I like it. You still have to attach it, so I'm it depends on. 
how well this works if you attach it to a to a to a figure and the rebels then don't attack it. Then this is bad. It, but it could make a <laughs> if you have him at hand, it could make a ID ADA even more difficult to kill. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> don't talk about IG88. He's he's an uh, a beast. If you got droid boosting stuff, he's he's insanely yeah. powerful. He's a, he's a beast without even having any boosts. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't laugh. You'll play the next online campaign with us, and the next online campaign is fly solo. You know what happens. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> okay, so on to the next card, which is called reactive armor. Uh, Whose turn is it? I think Antonia is again, right? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> it's from Armored Onslaught. It costs 3 XP and it's an attachment, droid or vehicle only, plus 2 health. While defending, if you roll and cancel result on a black die, apply plus 2 shield tokens to defend to the defense result. So, it's a little bit like cunning, but a little bit better, right? For cunning... Cunning, it's called? Yeah, no, it's it's not exactly like Cunning, because Cunning works off the evade result, even though you don't have to roll it. For this, you need to roll it. Oh. And since I only know droid and vehicles who have black defense die, it's a 1 in 6 chance to roll it. So Because but there's only of, one side. The, the nice thing is, it sort of evens out almost the worst side of the black yes. die. It depends on what the the actual. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very strong. I I'd say it's very strong. It's free XP. It should be very strong, and f especially on 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 stuff like the 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 new hover tank, or was it repulsor tank, mm -hmm. where you have already stuff to to defend. It's very good. But I, I'm not blown away by it. Let's yeah, say but this way. but like Gepa said, it's it's talking about a black dive, so it, the chance is again one sixth yeah. that you get this result. Yes. Yeah, so, so so it's a so it's more on the fringe side. So it it won't have that much of an impact. Let's say it this way. Yes. Because most of the times you don't roll the the actual worst result on the die because it's just one sixth chance. But it does even stuff out, and that is yes. on top of you getting two health extra. Yes, that is on top of you on of you getting two health. Yeah, so this is of course I. It's not bad. It's just not as good as the other two cards we we uh, talked about, uh, the rapid dominance and automated repairs. Yeah, for two XP it would be amazing, but for three I'm not sure. It's uh, it's, it's costly. It, it's, I see on costly, the. Yeah. On, on the on the ATSTs uh, that roll two black dice, it's um, perhaps extra interesting. Yeah. What? Yeah. What, what? The ATST rolls two black yes. dice, as does General Vice. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, it, it's it's better for for them. But I'm. Uh, if you roll a. Yeah, it happens for each of the results. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it should, yeah. So for them it's actually very good because it's more shields for them, which is <laughs> even worse for the rebels. But on, on normal on normal figures it doesn't strike me as insanely powerful. Okay, this is reactive armor and the last um armored onslaught card that is spoiled. Hendrik, 
your turn now. It's heavy firepower if you yes, didn't keep up. Getting the order of the cards. Heavy firepower. It's 2 XP for the armored onslaught. Exhaust this card when an imperial figure declares a ranged attack. You may remove one red die from the attack pool to play to apply plus three to the attack results. Yeah, plus three damage, of course. Uh, yeah, mm. it, I, I like it. It's, no, no, no. It's, I think it's good because every time you use a you use a, a red die, it's basically turned up to max. Why is why is this bad? It's. You will most likely roll three or two or three damage anyway, so it's yeah. But you might also roll only one damage. Yeah, I just I just calculated <laughs> the average damage. No wait. So the average <laughs> damage is 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 two point one six six, right? So you have thirteen might damage be, yeah. signs on the red die, and if you average it, it yeah, should be around two. Average is more than two, Let's yes. See. So it's basically yes. less than one damage more for using the card. But you might even get a surge with a, with a chance of one yes. six, which you do not get here, right? Yes. Um, I'm not sure. It's it's not that good, is it? Is it? Hmm. I like. I still like it. It's guaranteed damage, which makes your attacks more predictable, which makes your planning more easy. This is what I get from this card. Yeah, so. I think it's, it's not necessary. I would I, go for another one with 2 XP. Uh, like I said, uh, planning, planning stuff in this game is hard, hard already, especially during the campaign when the, when the rebels are so flexible. But with this, you can bank on dealing a specific amount of damage, which makes your, uh, your calculations on which uh, which enemy to attack or which rebel hero to attack much easier because you can see how much uh, damage they already have, how much you need to roll, and this makes you makes you more able to 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 see how to how to distribute your attacks to have the most impact and to wound enemy heroes. Yeah, well, but I like it. Unlike some of the other things there. That are specific for droids and vehicles. This can be used for many, and I keep returning to those royal guards. If you really want to stun something, no, yeah, it's just for range attacks. Yeah, but it's just for range attacks. Oh, you're right. So. Sorry, yes. So the royal guards are not important. <laughs> but that's what I just wanted to say. The one thing you have to keep in mind is for range attacks. There are not that many figures in the Imperial Army who can actually roll a red die by default when doing a range attack. So Vice, for example, yeah, and the Heavy Stormtroopers, and the um, ATST, And the E-Web. And the E-Web. And, and, and the Repulsor. And the Repulsor, and I think that's it, yeah. yeah you are quite limited, of course. I, I mean, know, but this is heavy firepower, so it, it fits within the theme. And if you are using this, of course, you will, you will uh, use it on figures that you like to use and to if you are running the the armored also the the chance of you running the the, the repulsor tank or the yeah. atst is high anyway so i yeah. i i'd still use it or maybe even the the atst or the repulsor tank are featured on some missions and then you because you get to as imperial you get to peek into the missions and see exactly which mission which mission is the next and maybe upgrade in lieu of what's coming up so this might be a good idea, so... 
I don't know. So I I still like it. I I like it with the uh I like it with the ATST in that you can reroll one die. But if you already take one die out before you attack and turn it into a certain three damage, then the likelihood of both the others rolling poorly and needing that reroll is lessened. So you sort of you stack your probability higher. Yes. That's what I what I was basically trying trying to to work out that every time you you have some 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 fixed amount of damage on the board it helps you because it's it it's lessens the spread of the of your worst and and best dice results so i i still like it so i think this is the last of the armored onslaught cards that were spoiled which is also the last card spoiled in the whole article and I think we talked now almost two hours about this article, <laughs> which is longer than enough. So we will uh, keep the next article for next time when we talk about it, which is the Brave Cold and detailing the Rebel side of the uh, Return to Half expansion, and maybe even dip into the Ally and Villain packs. Yeah, we've got two articles yet, right, that we haven't... Uh... Yes, they are... No, actually, they are free. I just looked on the site and they just <laughs> released... They just released the General Sorin ally, or in this case, villain pack <laughs> spoiler article. Oh. So I think we will do an, an, maybe a little bit of a faster next episode to, to do all this, but we'll see. So this is the card discussion for this week. And this means we go on to the, not the mission review because we are skipping this this week, campaign and skirmish play experiences. I didn't play anything in the last three weeks because I was busy with real life. So I think Antonia wanted to talk about her Twin Shadow stuff and Jeppe also finished his second campaign. So who, who does, who of you wants to start? Jeppe, you no can one. go ahead. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> After you, after you, please. Okay. Okay, so, Antonia, go uh, on. Yeah, no, so not that much to tell, but we actually got down and played a little bit skirmish, but right now we are still, uh, yeah, experimenting and more or less getting command decks together with the keywords we are using and just seeing how it works. And I got crushed by Hendrik. Yeah, this right, Hendrik? again. <laughs> uh, you agreed to not play Royal Guards because they were too heavy, so we just basically threw 40 points in and the matching command cards with the matching names on it and played. And it was quite fun because it already turned out very well together. How many car sets do you have? Two? Yeah. Only 50 bucks. It was only 50 only, yeah, bucks. Only, yeah, that's right. I, I was just asking if you bought another one. So, <laughs> no, no. Like, it, it could happen, right? Uh, yes. We played different sides. So, <laughs> what did you play? Um, I, I think we mixed up, right? I once um, uh, played Scum and Villainy, and once I played the Imperial side, or? No, actually I played the Imperial side twice. And used yeah, I, I sp uh, played my Trendotions twice, too. Yeah. Yes, so... Uh, what did I play? Yeah, I tried to go with the heavy stormtroopers combined with Darth Vader just because I wanted to see if it works and with the Imperial Guards and I think, um, yeah, the normal stormtroopers. No, the heavy stormtroopers, Imperial, um, no wait. Darth Vader, heavy stormtroopers and I think some, um, Imperial officers. 
It didn't work that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I thought that uh, Darth Vader with the officers actually is quite good because you can get him to to where he needs to be mm -hmm. instead of when he just has four four movement points and just stands around doing nothing. Um. Yeah. I was thinking about combining um, some command cards which um, enable the um, in the Imperial officers to um, get Darth Vader to uh, move uh, to attack again. Um, I have to think about how they are called. Um, yeah, um, new orders. I wanted to combine them. New orders, which. Um, Gives you a more or less uses Imperial officers because it, it costs two actions and then you can choose an adjacent friendly figure and ready the figure's deployment card. So my ultimate goal goal was to yeah um, get Darth Vader to um, do his brutality again, for example. But Henrik killed my Imperial officers because before I could use the card which I had on my hand. So <laughs> every time I got a really cool and costly card on my hand, um, Henrik destroyed the combination which I needed for it. So, Yeah, I went for a list of twice elite Trandoshan Hunter, Trandoshan Hunters and Boba Fett and they really put enough damage out before Antonio could use all the figures. It was quite nice um, because we played missions where we had to get to um, objectives and collect them and I could protect them with the Trandoshan Hunters and get the extra damage if she got too, too near to the objectives. Yeah, we played both missions which uh, are were included in the Darth Vader pack. So okay. we played those skirmish okay. missions. Yeah. What are they called? Because I, I might remember which they are. Um, I yeah, I wanted to look it up, but actually I forgot. Um, it's, it's on a planet which has a strange name, Missisuni or something like that. Masusi okay. Ruins or something Masasi like that. Masasi Ruins? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think I played this one too yeah. on the on the first tournament we had. I think, I think the the uh, very first, um, no, the, the B mission I think includes, uh, one of those missions includes like a terminal and if you um, start your round um, controlling this terminal, I think you can bomb the outside. <laughs> yeah, that's very amazing if you ask me. Yes. That was the first skirmish mission I played. Um, I remember it. And yeah, it wasn't the, wasn't the first for me. It was one of the first. Let's say it this way. I think it was in the base game, wasn't it? With Darth yes. Vader. Yeah, it's, it's the the Darth Vader figure pack is in the base game. Yeah. 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 And so you had your so you had your fun in the skirmish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. It was. I mean, right now my list still sucks, right? But. It was my um, my second and my third game after playing one with Yeppe, so mm. um, and I yeah I just didn't want to go with the uh, very strong lists which are known to be strong to experiment a little bit. Yeah, next time you should try to 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 do a rebel list with like the droids and all of the all of the nice new stuff like yeah C three PO I think is quite is, uh, is considered to be quite good I heard so. Yeah, not a, not even not not only him, but also I think R two D two can be very annoying to your enemy <laughs> with all of his lucky stuff and drawing your cards, and I think he can be very good. Yeah. And additionally, we played um, Twin Shadows, so we finally sat down with our friend and uh, started the Twin Shadows campaign, and we played Hunted Down and Shady Dealings. 
So Hunted Down was a little bit frustrating because Boba Fett just annoys the heck out of me. <laughs> Did you have the same problem like my my Rebels where the mm. they were still stuck in the cantina when Boba Fett appeared? Um, no, and... actually no. We did. We weren't. Okay. But how can he be stuck in the cantina? He appears when you open the gate, right? The door. Yeah, because I opened the gate. Ah. <laughs> That's like I, like I said. I'm still not sure if this an, if this was an oversight, but the imperial player can open the gate and thus force spawn some units, which oh, it can wreck the, the rebels. Yeah. Okay. The door wasn't with, limited to any player. Yes. Yeah. It isn't. You can open it with an interaction. So. <laughs> Yeah, that was a little bit frustrating to my guys. But actually, yeah. we were quite fast. Um, I think we got Diala to open the door instead of destroying it, the one where mm -hmm. uh, the token lay, lay behind. Yeah. And then um, Zaska, which has speed 5, uh, took it and ran away. Um, she we survived? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, okay. So we, <laughs> we, we picked the token, I think, up three times when you count in the first time at the very beginning. Oh, so okay, um, yeah. Han had it a time, and then um, at the very end, um, uh, how is he called? Fen, right? Yeah, Fen. Fen had it, and actually, we had a die roll. We 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 rolled two die to get to the uh, to interact with the terminal. While carrying the token, he was the last surviving guy surrounded by Imperial officers. And I, we calculated it was a chance of one eighth, so one <laughs> to eight that I will fail. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even talking about what I wrote. This was quite yes. sad because she had exactly, um, the speed to get there, uh, in the last activation. And I didn't have enough troops left to block all the places to the terminal. And then they went there. And normally I would have lost, but <laughs> the Imperial yeah. luck strikes. Yeah. So, um, the only good thing is that the spawn points of the Imperial is placed in a way, um, that he cannot directly attack people, um, on the spawn point, uh, on the, on the terminal or, or yeah. adjacent to it. So he uh, spawned the heavy um, stormtrooper, which are quite slow, and wasn't able to attack us at, uh, after the first activation, which was good. Yeah. yeah, that's that's also one thing I I noticed. But since my my guys didn't actually make it, made it to the to the landing platform, it never came into play. So <laughs> yeah, everybody had the tone all the time. <laughs> like it, as I said, three people were carrying it. At the end, it keep it kept on dropping. So you need to maybe maybe get some 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 bags or get something to to put it in <laughs> next time. Just don't hold it in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, we uh, played shady dealings, and I'm still a little bit unsatisfied. I mean, we played a little bit stupid, but um, it was very hard. I think. Yeah, that's that's the mission I also played, and we played it wrong where. It's the mission where you start in the alley and you have one building to the right and one building to the left and each have some objective to, objectives to claim and each have some guardian group that you need to defeat to be able to interact with the, with the objectives. So the thing we forgot is that uh, if the, the guardian group from this section is within three spaces, I think, of the objective, you can't actually claim it. Four. It was four. It was four. four. Very yeah. strong. <laughs> and we forgot this on the second... Second what do you building, mean you so, can claim it? Yeah, my my guys cl did claim it, 
even though the the group was present right oh, beside yeah. them. So I I just forgot this rule. So how can you it forget was... it? It's the most important rule, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But I did. I also I also made the mistake that was I was reinforcing one of the groups. So usually it's you need to defeat the groups that are in these buildings, and then you can do the the objective stuff. But I was reinforcing one of the groups, so. It was a bit confusing, so. Yeah. Yeah, we, I'm we stupid. made the biggest bit mistake, uh, big mistake by, uh, not splitting up and, uh, opening the door, doors with Imperial Guards quite, um, quite late. And we thought, yeah. uh, you know, that this uh, stupid, um, that on the other side, there are also, um, stormtroopers mm -hmm. and Imperial officers, but there weren't, so. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Right Did now. Did you like R2D2? Yeah, he I got destroyed. They didn't did really use him good enough because they could have opened the doors with him so fast, but he stood always uh, at the starting point. That's what my guys did, and it, it did help them quite a lot to actually use him to open the doors because it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, you opened two of the doors, but not all of them. There are four. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. It. it Uh, yeah, we, we played with both new heroes, so we uh, played with Zaska and uh, Biff. It's called Biff, right? Yeah, and, Biff Baldry, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. The battle technician, we didn't really get to use that much, because uh, Zaska was destroyed quite fast. Um, he shot him at, uh, at, um, at her at the very beginning, and she uh, was wounded almost immediately. And... Yeah, it was it was quite hard because she didn't get the battle technicians to, uh, to use it that often to get the device token out, and she actually bought for for XP the adrenaline 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 uh, thingy. Yeah, um, which the one where you can remove strain or how does it work? Um, you get I think immediately. Um, I think you uh use one strain one. One, I think, and mm -hmm. you uh, can perform a move and get two additional movement points and get focus at the end. I think. And you have discarded one of these device tokens, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that. I think this is actually one of the best abilities from her. But yeah, the focus yeah. is so good. Yeah. So she was destroyed quite fast, but it was. It wasn't even. Yeah, it wasn't even um, that we got crushed that bad. We just ran out of time. Also. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, uh, in in the second mission you didn't run out out of time. That was where I spawned all my troops behind the door, and you didn't want to open it to get to the next terminal. Yeah, we should have split up, then I but I could have killed you, but um, you just stayed there and healed. We bought the force throw, and um, it's quite powerful when you only have two troops, two two figures guarding, like the imperial guards, guarding yeah. the spaces. So. There might have been a nice combination possible, but for some reason we didn't expect Imperial Guards behind the doors, but only regular troops. Okay. And I yeah. hate Imperial Guards, that's for sure. Royal Guards. Everyone hates them. Yeah, yeah Royal Guards, everyone hates Royal them. Guards, it was quite nice <laughs> because uh, they were the second patrol and they weren't expecting anything. <laughs> Just a little, some stormtroopers and then they dropped off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every time Royal Guards appear, like we want to give up. <laughs> yeah, Darth Vader doesn't matter or LST, but Royal Guards, they are too strong. Yeah. Don't worry, then. I think the next mission will be a bit easier. I hope. I hope. Yeah, the next mission was Canyon Run, right? Yeah. Yeah, 
I think it's funny I want to play it soon. Yeah, but uh, if you wouldn't have crushed us that badly, we might have even continued playing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Try the try the Life next mode. mission. It's very fun. Yeah. You get a, a as rebels. I think the next mission gives you a, a very much needed sense of progress because the the mission is very linear. I think. Yes. But you're also traversing some ob obstacles, so it's it feels very very rewarding on the rebel side. I think. Yeah, I hope so. Right now, our combination of heroes just doesn't seem to be that good. We uh, chose the new two new ones, as I already said, Saska and Biff, and mm -hmm. uh, we additionally got Diala and um, Fen. But I'm not sure. Somehow, I don't know. Um, our friend told me today he uh, missed Gideon, but I actually missed a close combat character besides Biff. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, Diala can be turned into a good close combat. I think I think that Diala, Finn, and uh, Gideon are probably the most powerful trio, and then you can bring whatever you want for the fourth. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Just what do you like to play? You say Diala, Biff, and Gideon. Or? No, 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 no. Diala, Finn, and Gideon. Ah, Finn and Gideon. Yeah. I don't know. I always thought that the Wookie was quite good with Gideon. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. We will see. Right now, the device token, as I already said, uh, don't do that much because we are just not getting at the point where pe many people have them because you can only use it once a turn. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I what I think about this is that the device tokens, they, their power increases um, more than linearly over the campaign and over the, the, the skill cards you actually acquire. So it should be much more powerful than you expect in the later missions. Yeah, yeah, but there are only four missions, right? So, but you remind me, they, they they can only be used once, or do they also have a, like a static ability at some point just by? Normally, you one? discard them and you can do something amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think there is no static benefit yeah. right now that I can remember, but uh, you can. Uh, you can use as many as most of the time you can use as many as you have on your card. So even if you, it, it's basically an investment of um, what's it called, Saskia, yeah. to to dish out or to deal out these tokens. And then when you when you need them, you can spend them more than once a attack or once a turn even. So yeah. So but the big I, problem is you can only give one away each turn uh, without getting any extra XP cards which uh, yes. let you get two out each turn. Yeah. Yeah, if you can if you can get the XP card, you should get it before the last mission because it's I think it's Amazing. for the mini campaign for the mini campaign it's actually required to make use of the skills more efficiently. Yeah. And actually um one thing I wanted to say is I mean, yeah, I know it's stupid, but <laughs> I was expecting that you get XP at the beginning of the mini campaign, right? So I, I looked, I read the complete rules of them, yeah. of it at the very beginning of this book. Um, the mini campaign rules, they are called. And mm -hmm. I didn't read anything and I was confused. Like, okay, I'm pretty sure that I had in my, ba in the, in the back of yeah, my yeah, head. Yeah, there's some XP to be had. Yes, yeah. yes, but it's, it's, it's only mentioned, I think, at the campaign log, which we didn't use because we don't want to write on oh, our rulebook. So, yes. <laughs> uh, that, I think that's a little bit of a mistake that they didn't include it in the rules. Yeah. 
I How mean, did you record your campaign if you don't use the rulebook? We print or if you don't... print a new sheet. Yeah, but you you use the you use the PDF from the site or because yeah, there isn't a PDF with the campaign sheet on the site. There's typically a PDF for the campaign log from Board Game Geek, and we just fill that out with the missions and threat level three and four. Oh, and, five, and then use yeah. That. Some user made like a better yeah, yeah. better sheet where you can yeah. actually put in your gear and you know yeah. everything you yeah. got. So you're not using the official sheet, so no, no. Okay. Because especially if you want to play several campaigns in parallel, you need to keep track of which card you got and yeah. how many XP you spent and so on. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was our experience, I guess. Yepper, you finished your second campaign. Yes, I did. Now, we haven't played this uh, last week because we've had a small break. But the week before that, we played the last three missions uh, in one week. Uh, the the third last on uh, on our usual Tuesday slot, and then we had put aside a Saturday where we played the the final and the penultimate uh, missions back to back, and that ended up being a very long session. <laughs> <laughs> so, how I many actually, missions did you play uh, back to back? Uh, we played two on the Saturday, but they were like the 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 last one and the penultimate one in the campaign, so they were both quite long, and. Uh, I had actually, when we were done, I had a bit of a headache. I don't think from board games, I've only gotten that from something called Twilight Imperium in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but never, How long did the session last? Um, More than six we, hours? Um, we met at uh, around noon, and I think we were done for the day around midnight. Oh, so it's okay. So Actually, we got we got uh, we got some days which which were worse than that. <laughs> but that being said, we we also had uh, dinner in between, and we had to pack one uh, map down, set another one up, and update and all that stuff. Uh, mm hmm Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a long session. Yes, uh, yes. But the thing is, we we wanted to like play the last mission on a Saturday or Sunday, and uh, we only happened to have one that was. Like before, we were done with on the regular Tuesdays with the other missions, so that's why we ended up playing two two in a row. And they were they were both rather potentially long missions. I think the last one probably took the longest. Uh, I seem to recall that the second last one, uh, Chain of Command. I think we actually only played like three or four rounds. They just took a very long time. <laughs> but, uh, at one point, we looked at the clock and was like, "Okay, three hours," and we've played what three rounds? <laughs> yeah, that's it's happening similar for us too. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit harder at the end of the campaign because there are so many abilities and you need to think things through. It yeah, takes, it takes some time. The third last we played uh, that was so then on the on Tuesday night before we had the long session uh, on the Saturday, and we played the luxury cruise. So we played that as the last side mission in the campaign. So, oh my god, our Imperial player had a lot of threat. Uh, more so because we brought Luke Skywalker. Uh, so he was just swamping us in threat. Um, and I actually took pictures of it. And I just, I've been so busy. And then last week, um, I had I had guests visiting from Denmark and so on. So I haven't actually gotten around to put them on the Facebook page, but I, I probably should. Um, I think one round we killed 36 points of threat of Imperial forces. Wow. Something <laughs> like that. It was just, he had so much on the board and had so much extra threat as well. 
Um, but speaking of doors, he was a little bit unclear on on how the doors work. Um, so he actually had a group of uh, elite stormtroopers and an officer who were just walking in circles behind the door for uh, oh. for many many rounds because until, he couldn't open it because he didn't realize he could open it. Maybe I'd you should have him, told, uh, told him. <laughs> well, no, I asked him when we started if he was sure he couldn't open it, and uh, and uh, and he thought he couldn't. But then when we played the next mission. Um, I like let let's just let's let's double check this because he said the next mission it just didn't make sense. Um, yeah. For 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 him not to be able to open doors. Uh, but no, with luxury luxury cruise we had so much stuff coming our way. But the the problem was that there's actually only one sp- uh, spawn point I think in luxury cruise. So it meant yeah. that though he had tons of threat. And he had to put them in knee deep. So every end of every round, there would be six bases around that spawn point, and they would be filled. And then Fen would have his blast, or <laughs> or or Diala would have her way of the Sarlacc, and they would just be vaporized. <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad. If you if there's only one spawning point, it's it's hard to to get your guys out of there in time. Yeah. Um, and then on the Saturday, the first mission we played was Chain of Command, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the one I thought of when we talked earlier about officers and white dice and re-rolling and whatnot, because there's an officer in that one you need to, to take down. Um, we have, uh, by this time, we've finally gotten a, uh, a better gun upgrade on our Mac. He was the fourth one, where yeah. I... Mentioned earlier that I think the combination of of Diala, Fen, and Gideon is really strong because, I mean, Fen can blast, which forces the enemy to spread out, which means that there's really good room for to Diala get in there and do her um, way of the Salak. So those yeah. were working really well together with the extra action economy from from Gideon. But Mac had now gone from being just a, a errand boy or a buffon who was killed. He'd gotten the pulse cannon. And he just did a lot of damage with it. <laughs> yeah, that uh, the pulse cannon is this the the, the weapon from uh, IG88, right? Where you can it it is, and I actually it's on the 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 illustration on the deployment card. But sadly, actually, the miniature doesn't have that gun. It's it's got another gun. Oh, the miniature of IG88, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't actually realize this. That's yeah, I was I was actually strange. taking it out to show it to the others, and I was like, "Wait, that's not the pulse cannon." It's the wrong gun. Damn it! Where <laughs> yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who stole <Exactly>. my pulse gun? <laughs> um, yeah. So that mission has a has an interesting uh, mechanic where the imperial player can yeah he can use yeah. some threat on to protect his the thing that he needs to protect and so on. But um, he didn't have enough threat at that point, and we just we just tore. The ATST. Apart. Did you did you enter the hangar? Because I remember it being a bit dangerous for the rebels to actually get in there. But I had to, I had an interesting siege constellation on this map where the where the second part of the mission resolved and there was an, uh, a very large uh, weapon in the hangar loose. But the rebels didn't actually go in there, but they tried to snipe out of the, the starting location, so it was a bit strange. We ended up killing the ATST surprisingly fast. Okay, 
So that's, that's... Uh, that was a bit anticlimactic, but that meant that we when we went into the last mission, which was then uh, last stand. Yeah. Um, at some point, uh, I noticed that the Imperial player started saving up threat, and that got me a bit worried because, uh, of course, he the previous mission he had not saved up threat because he had been surprised how quickly we took down the ATST, so he didn't have the threat you could use to to protect it. To protect it, yeah. But when we played the final mission, when we were like one third through the areas, you start outside the base and have to move in. Um, he actually did some really, um, some really foxy things where he had some combinations of an agenda card and a sudden spawn and other stuff that, um, that led him to, to, to take our Gideon out so that he was wounded. Yeah. And, uh, our Diallo was also wounded because he, t- he tends to, to, to rush things a little bit. <laughs> and not roll her dodge. That's the most important stuff. Very enthusiastic, like it's a bit of Leroy Jenkins to Ardiala. Okay. Uh, so, and and that was a bit worrisome because she was wounded and Gideon was wounded, and we thought that this is the final mission, so we're probably going to meet a big baddie, and then we're going to miss Diala's. Speaking of earlier, her ability to remove a defense die—it's so powerful against uh, a, an elite uh, sort of boss. Yeah. But we managed to recover from it. I think I was with Fen. I was one damage away from being wounded as well but managed to bounce back and um, when we moved into the final part of uh, of the area uh, Fen and Mac were basically unscathed um, yeah, uh, and that's when we met Darth Vader <laughs> <laughs> I know he shows up at the, at the end of this and mission, I right? presume that people listening to our podcast have either already been there or don't mind being spoiled and or shut their ears when we're oh, We know that Darth Vader shows up periodically but that was the campaign, so this isn't a surprise anyway. Such no. an awesome moment because I played the other final mission when I was the yeah. appeal player in my first campaign. So I was expecting that we would finally get our last showdown with General Vice and then we step in, of course, to see him being force choked by Darth yeah. Vader. <laughs> and then the doors closed, and we were like, "I was, I, I thought we'd lost it there, because I thought we'd had to get out again through all those closed doors and run away from Vader." Yeah. Um, and of course, the two people who were locked in with him were the two people who weren't wounded yet. Oh, so, so it it wasn't it wasn't all of you who got locked in with him. No, no, yeah, the oh, others. That's and even worse. <laughs> the other two and Luke Skywalker were locked outside. Um, so yeah, you uh, have to skip, stick together in this one. Yeah. Now here's the thing. Darth Vader has 24 health in that mission because he's yeah. got plus 6 health. And we basically killed him in that round. Really? With, not, with what characters? With, with what it's heroes? not entirely true that we killed him in that round, but there's this mechanic that whenever you activate one of your characters, he gets to yes. move an action. Do an action yeah. I actually I, hated that one. <laughs> and and um, I think it was very befitting that we ended up doing what's then in the epilogue of the campaign that you've been dancing around avoiding him. Um, because I thought at first it was very powerful, but we were really good to avoid at avoiding him. And we'd open that door as our very first action in that round. Mm, okay. uh, game round. Um, we didn't kill him entirely. I think we took out 20 of his 24 damage. Uh, or 24 health. He had threat and he used some of it, but I, he was holding it back a bit. And I think he should have used it because... Well, he was—he ended up being surprised with the amount of damage we could put on him. But 
a combination of uh, Mac doing an an uh, ambush, uh, so he takes away or he gets some peers and whatnot, and mm-hmm. uh, so on. But Darth Vader uh, survived that one round with us, um, and um, very beautifully, uh, Yala, who couldn't really do much anymore because she was wounded, she had this upgrade from and the last round that she kept being eager through the entire mission. Um, it's actually from the Twin Shadows, but it's a thing where if you start your activation next to someone, you can make them weakened. Oh, a, yeah, I know. That it's, it's a knife, knife right? It's a knife. Yeah, and she moved up next to Darth Vader, and Darth Vader could have done brutality on me, Fen, and Diala, but he chose to move away because he didn't want to get hit by the knife, which was fair enough. <laughs> so, but Darth Vader ran away because he was basically down to four health. He was shocked at the amount of damage we could do. Now, the thing is, he hit behind a droid, or he was like adjacent to a droid around a corner, so there was not a lot of line of sight to him. So, Fen, having blast, shot at the droid and ricocheted blast off onto Vader, and that's how we killed him. Oh. But why was the Darth Vader so afraid to get weaned? I mean, it's not yeah. actually he couldn't. No, he couldn't get weakened because he was immune to conditions. But he could take. Uh, I think the knife does two automatic damage. Two damage. Ah, oh, okay. It's two damage. Okay. Yeah. So basically, it's, it's direct damage too. Yeah. He moved around a corner behind a wall, so he was out of line of sight. But it also meant that he was adjacent to a probe droid near him. Yeah. So Finn basically shot at this droid twice and ricocheted blast onto uh, onto Darth Vader and and. Uh, Luckily, the droid didn't die in the first attack, so I got to get a second attack on it. So I got to do Blast 2 onto Vader twice, which is the 4 damage he had left. <laughs> and, and, and that's how Darth Vader went down, and I think it fit very well with the epilogue that tells something about the roof collapsing and Darth Vader using the explosion and so on to... To get away, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very epic. But I think our Imperial player was a bit worn out by then, because he, he seemed to be close to getting us down earlier in the final mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we finished in the start of round 9 out of 12 rounds or something like that. But we've played 12 missions in total and he's won 3 of them. Yeah, that's, that's so a little bit of snowball, yeah. We, we're starting Twin Shadows tomorrow and I think he's he's uh, he's sort of uh, deciding whether he wants to have another go of, of being the Empire to try and get revenge knowing the game better or whether maybe to do a swap around and I will uh, bring the Empire down on them. The thing about Twin Shadows is that it that it's very much limits the snowball effect because there isn't much variance in the rewards between winning and losing missions. There There is a bit but it's mostly thematic I think so it's for Neatly avoids this all this whole snowball issue by basically equalizing most of the rewards. So, yeah, we of course we've gotten a lot of rewards from from winning so many of the missions. Some of the rewards have been from side missions, though. Were um, yeah. So, but epically though, befittingly, Darth Vader did manage to take out Luke before uh, <laughs> <laughs> before uh, then being taken down by the rest of us. Yeah. Okay, so sounds like you had a nice campaign, and uh, I think you will have fun with Twin Shadows in the future, which shouldn't take you long. Maybe uh, just until half appears. I hope our Imperial player recovers. I'm I'm itching to play the Empire again, to be honest. But uh, 
But uh, if he wants a, a do-over and try again, then I'll, I'll stick to being a, a rebel scum. <laughs> okay, so this is the play experiences since um, Herrick still hasn't hasn't figured out, out his microphone issues. So, and I didn't get to play anything in the last three weeks. I will get to play tomorrow, actually, and it's still not sure what I'm going to play. I mean, I will play Imperial Assault and I will play the campaign. But we are not sure if we are starting a, a short campaign or a long campaign, seeing as how uh, Return to Hoth will most likely hit before the end of the year. And so a long campaign is probably out of the question to finish it before then. So it will most likely be a short campaign. And maybe I'll even play a Rebel this time. But more on this next time. So we also wanted to talk about uh, FFG Worlds and the Imperial Assault tournament there. But time is short. So... This is for next time. Also, we will have some of this uh, on our YouTube channel. So keep an eye out on the YouTube channel in the next maybe two weeks or so, where, where we'll upload not only maybe the next campaign, mission for our online campaign, but also the um, some of the FFG Worlds coverage. So this brings us to the rules clarification for this week. And I have to admit I was wrong on both accounts of these, these two uh this last three weeks both of these are on the ffg boards and we are clarified by paul himself the first one is regarding bleed and special actions that require the usage of two actions to activate yeah the actual exa example given in the in the thread is that the royal guard champion has bleed you activate him then play flurry of blades how many strain do you take from the bleed one, two, or three, since it's uh, three attacks, but this three is basically just a <coughs> question to uh, pose. Um, I said it would be two strain, but it turns out since it's just one special action, uh, Paul clarified this is what you what you get for for strain, and you you don't take the the, the actions you need to resolve the special actions. You just you just count the special action you're doing. So, uh, where is the actual clarification mail from? Um, he says um, this ability and others like it is 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 a single special action that costs the figure both of its actions. Therefore, a bleeding RGC would only suffer one strain from performing flurry of blades. Yes, that is exactly what he said. So, uh, just for the future, also in this case for uh, the new repulsor tank with focus fire, if you are bleeding. And you are doing the focus fire, or in this case the flurry of blades in the skirmish. You're only getting one strain for uh, doing this instead of two strains, which I assumed would be the case. So this is cleared up with the answer from Paul. And the next one we had was also cleared up by Paul, which is a little bit more complicated, I think, because it concerns a specific uh, skirmish mission, which is... Um, in data heist, it's one of the one of the missions in the current. Was it the current or the last map pool? I think it was played at Worlds, so it should be the current map pool, right? Whatever. So data heist is the is one of the the missions played on the Qat space station, from what I remember. And you basically get to con control terminals, and if you do control terminals, you get to open or close doors at the end at the start of the round. And the question posed was. 
terminal network ends at the end of the next turn or at the start of the next turn actually and in data heist ha uh, the doors are opened at the start of the turn by whoever controls the terminals so which one is resolved first does does r2d2 choose which door can be opened and there was a lengthy uh, thread about this and it was clarified then by paul that um where is it i have to look it he up. says terminal network only lasts until the start of the next round at which time it ends so it would not last long enough to affect the start of round effect from the data heist mission exactly so i actually said that these two would ha happen simultaneously and the player with, with initiative should be able to choose which one to resolve first I think that's what I said, but whatever, uh, Paul clarified that the, um, the effect from terminal network doesn't last until, uh, the start of the next round, but basically it ends at the end of the round. So, uh, it doesn't lap over in the next round. So, uh, this was also clarified by Paul. And so we know how this works also. Yeah. The wording is not really clear it says only in uh, terminal we, network until the start of the next round so yeah, yeah. The, the i will of course i will link both the threads in the show notes so you can read up all of the discussion that was taking place about this and the, the second one was actually about the wording of terminal network which includes the word until and until if you look it up in a dictionary it supports it supports i think what paul said because i'm not a native speaker and it's a little bit, it's very fine, a fine difference between the language and what the word actually means. So I think Paul is perfectly right what he said, but I, I just used the word until slightly wrong on this case. So, and yeah, so that's basically what happened. So these are the two rules clarifications for this week. And we are moving swiftly on to our contest, which, um, we will this, uh, decide or find out the, the winner of the last week's contest, contest which uh, is winning R2-T2 and the C3PO uh, ally pack. And I did some uh, random.org uh, magic again and the result was 12. And this means that um, <coughs> Elgin S will be receiving the r2d2 and c3po ally pack in the mail sometime soon <laughs> i know i'm saying this but uh i was busy in real life so i haven't sent out any of the previous two uh contests they are still sitting on my desk but i will get to around this this week because um most of the construction in my flat is actually done now just a little bit left but it's getting uh in the in the vicinity of finished let's say it this way so LGNS, you, I will contact you uh, on Facebook and please make sure that you are receiving uh, messages from people who are not already friends with you so I can actually reach you. So we also have a new contest. This time you can win, of course, the last pack from Wave 2, which is Boba Fett. And this means, this is right, this is Wave 2, right? Yeah, this is Wave 2. So, and this means uh, what you have to do to um, have a chance on winning it is create a meme for Imperial Assault. So you all probably know how this works. So just go on to any meme generator and create any meme 
relating to Imperial Assault. Uh, I will open up a a uh, gallery on the Facebook page and display all of them. And uh, you will get then get to vote and uh, the free members with the three highest votes uh, will get into the last uh, lap of the contest and we will decide on who's receiving the, the, the pack in a future episode, probably around Christmas or New Year or something like this. So the contest will run for a while, so we have ample time to create your, your pictures and to send it in. To actually send them in, please make sure that your meme is in JPEG format. You name the file uh, the same as your name and uh, send it in to podcast at boardwars.eu. This is all you have to do and I will upload them with your name, of course abbreviated, or if you don't want to uh, have your name displayed, just leave me a note in the mail and I will figure something out. And this means um, you will get to uh, the, the, the free submissions with the most likes will be then uh, be the finalists and we will decide which of the three finalists will get the Boba Fett pack probably at the end of the year. So create your memes, send them in, have a look at the gallery, all happening on Facebook. Uh, which also brings me to how you can contact us. Of course, go on to Facebook. Herwig is posting like a madman. All the new articles and all the new Star Wars stuff on the Facebook page. Is, it's very active in on there, uh, especially compared to when I was in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember like a few days ago when the spoiler was released. I saw it in Board Game Week. People are like posting like madman there like immediately. Yeah. And then I told Henrik, hey, did anybody post the spoiler yet? And then, yeah, Herwig did. Three minutes ago. <laughs> no, it, yeah. was, it was all already six minutes ago. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Havik is Havik is on the job and he's doing very well on this. So um, you can reach us on Facebook. Just uh, search for boardwars.eu and you will find us there. Also, you can find us on the webpage, which is www.boardwars.eu, which will also have a bias guide in the next few weeks for all the or for most of the the packs and the expansions to give you a, an overview on what to buy more on this in one of the future episodes and you can also reach us on email via podcast at boardwars.eu and i think that's it for this episode um any famous last words from let's let's uh let's because Herrick is still in the call, but he can't talk to us. Maybe he wants to relay some some last words via me. Uh, and in the meantime, any last words from from Yepia? Nope. Well, it's exciting times to be alive. Well, less than a month to the movie. New Star Wars game uh, announced from Fantasy Flight. Good. Times. Yeah, this is. Good we didn't talk about it, but. Oh. Time. I, don't, I don't like. I don't like it. Thirty-four days. Yeah, that, that's basically what what what, what Havik is also saying. Thirty-four days to the Star Wars movie and the Rebellion game. So. Yeah. I just want to mention that you said at the beginning something about ninety minutes. Yeah, and I said that we will probably take about ninety minutes for this episode. Turns out, I was wrong. I wasn't only wrong about the, the rules clarifications, I'm also wrong about how long it takes to talk about one article. But at least we took our time with the cards and maybe this uh, is 
we did factor in some of the some of the feedback we got fr uh, from the last episode. So, so at least that it we covered we covered one of the three spoiler articles out, and while we covered it, Fancy Flight was so nasty to release another one in the middle of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and of course, Havik in the chat just mentioned that uh, during the FG World finals, <laughs> we have to. Since he and I, we are both Austrian, we have to mention this now. Uh, the FFG World's Imperial Assault champion is, of course, an Austrian guy. So you can all go home now. <laughs> it's always the Austrians who want to take over the world. <laughs> yes, yes. Especially, especially as the Empire, yeah. So, okay. Um, <laughs> but we will talk about more how he did in the tournament uh, next time. And um, um, Hendrik, any last words? No, not anything yet. Just waiting to continue the Twin Shadows campaign. Okay. Yeah, treat us better next time. Yeah. Yeah, you, you should you should you try, try. <laughs> during the next during the next mission. You, sh you should try to snipe off the the rebels. It it works perfectly. I know. I figure it out. <laughs> it works perfectly. It, it's a very good tactic. The Tudorian okay. hunters. <laughs> yeah. Lie yeah, no, down no, no, and snipe. It's a desert. No, no. It's, you will you will see what I mean. Okay, so and from me, I didn't get to play in the last few weeks, but I will all I will catch up with playing in the next few weeks because um, the end of the year is approaching, which means a little bit more time for myself and holiday and whatever. So I'll have to talk about this all of this in the next few episodes. And with this, I'll send you off to the next episode and have fun until then. Bye bye. 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 bye.